Hey guys, welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast, episodes 328, where tonight we are uh, stopping, dropping, shutting down, and open up shop. In the immortal words of DMX, uh, X gonna give it to you. Because we're talking about Fast X tonight, my friends. Fast X part one of three, potentially. We'll see what the naming <laughs> conventions will be for this dumbass franchise that we all love. I'm Ryan Leopolis. I'm joined, as always, Sparks Witty. I am here. I'm a little coffee, but I am here. I would love some coffee. Mm-hmm. I got some Ben Magnet over there. I don't have friends. I have family. There you go. And we are sans a Brandon T. McClure. But he is up in the, the jolly the jolly cold north uh, uh, doing not podcast stuff. So, you know, he's not here with us this week, uh, but he will be with us. In spirit. Uh, in spirit. Yeah. Um, in spirit. But before we get into all the festivities of, you know, talking about variants and uh, uh, families and variants of families, uh, Sparks, do we have any links? We do. About we, things we did in the podcast? We have links in the description. Um, as, as has been going on, uh, we're continuing to keep a link about the information on the writer's strike. Um, so if you want to learn more about that, you need to learn more about that. That's still down below. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. Brandon has a link to his uh, CBR work that he's been doing this week. Um, recommend you checking that out. Uh, we also have a link to the latest D and Dark episode, uh, episode twenty six, "A State of Mind." Ben, you want to say anything about it? Uh, yeah, this is the episode that introduces Victor Frankenstein. That was like the big. Um, because the last episode, myself and the party, we found a whole bunch of Igors. We're trying to figure out what the heck is going on because we knew we're in the town with where Victor Frankenstein was. We find him. We also find Rainer. Shit goes bad. <laughs> bad times, y'all. Uh, I was not caught up. Also was not on last week, but I caught up uh, to Dean Dark. And uh, that Igor stuff, real funny. Yeah. Real yeah, good. I, yeah. <laughs> that, that production work of bands, I got to tell you. I know we, we're, we kiss his ass every week, but man, that's a good show y'all make. It is so refreshing to hear what Dan does because obviously I'm part of the cast. I'm playing the game. And when he does stuff like when he was overlapping all the different Igors together, obviously when we were actually doing it, he was just talking normally about like doing, seeing all these Igors. But the fact that he was able to layer what he does stuff in the editing is just like, man, that's nuts in a it's good magic. way. It's awesome. Yeah. Great show. Always recommend. Great. Yes. Awesome show. Uh, very happy with that episode. And lastly, uh, from our own network, only thing we would drop this week um, on any of the shows, because uh, I'm, I'm behind, frankly, um, is Brandon released the latest uh, conversation, uh, the third episode of the season with Sean Farrick um, of the talk Trek channel, I believe. Um, uh, so that's out there. Highly recommend going and checking out more of Brandon's conversations. And that is all of the links that I have here, friends. So without further ado, it's time to get into what we did this week. Already hot dog. I'll go first with my week, my two weeks, because you'd think, wow, Ryan, you were gone for two weeks. You probably <laughs> got a lot to say. Couldn't be me. Could never be me. Uh, I played Jedi Survivor, and then I stopped playing that because I got Zelda. And I'm not going to return to Jedi Survivor until the day before we record that podcast, because nothing is stopping me from playing Zelda for the next two months of my life. Uh, Hot shit, y'all. Believe the hype. I don't need to go into it. Uh, uh, It sold, like, 11 million copies as of, like, five days. Uh, It's, like, it's, like, Elden Ring numbers. Like, it's, like, it's selling gangbusters. Um, It just feels good. It's, like, like the cultural zeitgeist of being like watching a big TV show, but like with a video game, like it doesn't happen as often with, with something so big. Um, it happened with Elden Ring, but Zelda is just, it, it appeals to so many more people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And man, like the shit people are making, the, the things people are doing, uh, 
I cannot believe that that is a game that runs on software that's almost like 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Like it is it is it is one of those games where it basically it's like running on my 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 iPhone. It's like how powerful that switch is and it is doing shit that our current gen systems, our PS5s and Xbox ones are not doing. Uh and it just put into reflection of what are we doing with video games? What do we is is making them look prettier the only thing we're going to do? Are we not going to evolve video games? And Zelda's like don't worry, guys. I'm here for you. We are here for you. Six Zelda, years ago, we give you a a game a game of the generation, like the genre defying game. What if we did it again, even better? Um, mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh, I have nothing else to say. Add to my week. Zelda is just incredible. Essentially, Tears of the Kingdom is just like hold my beer to the entire video game industry, and just like smacks its hands and goes out. And even Ryan, you were talking about the Zelda number, about the numbers for Zelda, how it was doing Elder Ring. Not only that, there's only one console to play Zelda on. That's on the Nintendo Switch. Whereas Elder Ring, you could play it on Steam, you could play it on PC, PS5, uh, Xbox. You could only play Zelda in one place, and that's on a Nintendo console. So yeah. the fact that this game is sold that much. I mean, uh, we knew the Switch is like selling numbers. I think, um, I, I know it hasn't surpassed PS2 numbers, but if last time I checked, I'm 99% sure that the Nintendo Switch is the second highest selling console of all time, it's, but it's getting yeah. just that closer to being out the PS2. It beat the Wii and I mean, it beat the Wii ages ago, but oh man. More cop. This is the insane thing. More copies of Breath of the Wild has been sold than Wii U's were sold. <laughs> that system was a bomb. That system was a bomb. And the Breath of, and Breath of the World came out on that yeah. system. And that's like, man, it's it like did. I cannot like I cannot wait to see like the next generation of Nintendo games because they're always like 10 years behind in terms of like like graphics and stuff, but I don't care about graphics. Like I cannot see what they can do when they do have the power of a PS5. Because like they are doing like like literally game-changing shit in old they tech, are. in really old tech. Uh but like, yeah, uh if you're a video gamer, you, you if you're a video gamer, what the hell does that mean? If you play video games, you know about Zelda. Uh, it's just, and I've seen you you've seen us play it because yeah. our household is in love with it's it. It's happening everywhere. It's happening everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, believe, but the hype is is so real. Like, I'm there are so many games I'm excited for this year, but like I've never seen such a harder lock for a game of the year. Maybe except Elden Ring, and that was only last year. Like we are video gamers are blessed, dude. Like. It just it's it's a magical feeling. Like all I want to yeah. do is play that game. Even last week when I went to go pick up Jedi Survivor from your guys's house because Sparks had a copy for me and I went to go pick it up. I stayed an extra 20, 30, maybe forty odd minutes because um Sparks' sister in law was playing Tears of the Kingdom and I just I I hadn't had a game. I didn't have the game yet, so I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm it's just a, like I'm like living vicariously through her because I didn't have the <laughs> game yet. Uh, but yeah, we'll get, once we get to my week, that changed. Yeah, it's 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 really magical and like it like the way that the game makes me feel. It's unlike it, like not not even Breath of the Wild. Just the, the way that like the the engineering that goes into it. Like you can put as much effort or as little effort into the game, and it'll reward you reward you regardless. Like it is a. I always talk about my favorite games are like player expression, player creativity, and like I don't know if I've ever played a game again besides Elden Ring that gave me this much freedom. Mm. Like literally, I can do. I can fuse anything to anything with any weapon. And it's just like, try it. It's probably going to work. It's going to do something you don't expect. Um, it's just, it's it's genius game design, like truly genius. And like, and like again, not to disparage like Jedi Survivor, which is a great game, but I'm just like, this game, besides looking great, is a game that could have came out on the PS2 in terms of what it's doing. And it's just like, <coughs> it took it took 
took Zelda to be like, oh man, we really aren't like pushing the medium forward like we should be with with the PS5 and stuff. And I'm like, it took a 10 year old game almost like what it feels like. Cause again, like this game does not look like like a PS5 game. It looks like a PS3 game, right? But again, that doesn't matter. It's got style, it's got substance. This it is, looks good. This is why I remain, one of the reasons I remain so curious about Final Fantasy 16 later this year, because I do think it's going to be the first, all, all signs point to it being the first really made for the ps5 really utilizing the ps5 game I don't, yeah. i'm not saying like it's going to push innovation yeah, yeah as far as tears of the kingdom but i do think it'll finally be like oh right the ps5 is can, different can do this right yeah 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 because like we haven't really i mean there have been like big like set pieces but like god of war on the ps2 had big set pieces they just mm-hmm. look better now um and again it took until like tears of the kingdom to be like wow like we really aren't evolving very much and i'm like oh man because it's really hard it, like again, like making games is the hardest thing. It's like, making games is so much harder than making movies. Like every <coughs> video game is like a million movies put together, and you hope it works. Um, so the fact that like uh, this game could come out and it takes six years and it is as perfect as it is, I'm like, oh man, like, that's that's the, the secret sauce right there. Is you got to have a studio willing to give you time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and apparently, like, and my final word on it, like this game was done last year, but with the pandemic, they're like, hey, we're gonna push it, and you guys polish it. And this is one of the most polished, like, incredible feats, like. Uh, like, like, besides some like minor hiccups because of like the insane like tanks and like thirty log uh, bridges that I'm building, besides some minor hiccups, like this game runs better than Jedi Survivor by a long shot. Mm-hmm. And the things that I'm doing in the game are substantially more impressive. Um, but again, I'm not, that's not me trying to shit on a different game. Uh, it's just it's how impressive this game is. It's more the industry itself. It's more in the industry comparison to how it's creating absolutely yeah. for video games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ben. You got a lot to talk about in Tears of the Kingdom. Why don't we just roll into that and you can start your week there? Hell yeah. So um I, I before I get into Tears of the Kingdom, I do want to talk about the other things I did because like I said, I got Jedi Survivor, Sparks, thank you again. And I did start it. I actually did start the game. I played a little bit of it. I got to where I met Grease, which is I want to say in the first two hours of the game. <laughs> and as I'm playing Jedi Survivor, a friend of the show, one of my best friends, Jeff, messaged me. He's like, hey, what's your email? I'm like, oh, it's this. Five seconds later, there's a little ding that pops up and it says, here's your code for Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. <coughs> what a that, sweet man. That beautiful man bought me Tears of the Kingdom. I love it. And I almost cried, to be perfectly honest with you all. I almost cried because I have been wanting, obviously, I've been waiting for this game, Breath of the Wild. And while it's not my favorite Zelda game of all time, it is up there in my Zelda echelon, up there in my video game echelon, uh, period. And oh my God. I mean, yes, Tears of the Kingdom is great. And you, Ray, you were talking about how stuff, fe- how you get a feeling for, um, and how video games evolved and how, and how, um, Tears of the Kingdom is pushing the is like pushing the envelope. Even when I was first playing it, when I was on that first like um like the tutorial, like the Great Skyland, where you first start off before you get uh, get back into High Rule, yeah, like High Rule proper. There were parts that I was getting kind of annoyed, but at the same time, I had to remind myself like this is a Breath of the Wild style game. I can come back. I can fix some of these puzzles. At one part, I thought I was like really screwed, and I was like um and i was trapped in a certain area because i had to get to the last shrine so i could open the temple of time and i couldn't get to it i was like where the heck do i go how do i get up there you just gotta keep looking and then there's always a way to like get up there i'm like oh yeah there's multiple ways like i've um crafted like i made a bridge to get up to this rock after i destroyed three zonai constructs and i got all the treasures and stuff but uh 
Yeah. And you were saying about how Tears of the Kingdom, because at, at first I wasn't 100% sure how I like just like the it just aesthetic wise, like the weapons are decayed and everything because I miss my swords. I miss my I miss going around hunting for um for materials and stuff. But all the weapons are like decayed and you have to fuse things to the weapons. I mean, it's funny when you have a sword with a giant rock stuck to the top of it. But at the same time, it's like this comes in. I mean, this comes in handy. Especially yeah. when I, I just right before we started recording, I just went into the depths for the first time. Mm. And the sense of I want to explore, like once I got back, back, get back up to Hyrule, I want to go find shrines. I want to see what's over the horizon. I don't want to immediately go to the first mission that Pura tells me to do. I want to go the opposite way. It's like I want to look around. I need to I need to hunt. I need to forage. I need to find stuff. And I missed that from Breath of the Wild, even in Elden Ring, because Elden Ring was like, I want to go what's over there. I want to see what treasures lie. Ooh, I found a dungeon. Let's venture into this dungeon. What dangers are here? But with Zelda, it's not much of a danger. It's more of a, a curiosity. It's a, the call to adventure is there. I would describe it like I thought, I, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this, but I thought of it's Studio Ghibli's Dark Souls. It's Studio Ghibli's Elden yeah, it is. I, it is a giant open world with like with with as much exploration as possible there's a secret underground place that ben i can't tell you how big that underground is it is a dark world of the above world it is the oh. entire there are three entire giant land masses in this game this game is literally double the size of the first game it's mm. incredible i cannot I mean, believe this game is running out of switch <laughs> it's unfathomable it is and it, i think i think it's only 16 gigs too when yeah, you first that's download like, it that's like all the updates for jedi survivor alone that game's 150 yeah. gigs yeah, it's crazy it's nuts to see yeah. how i mean i don't want to like compare because like comparing this to giant survivor is like comparing apples to oranges they're completely yeah, different yeah. things um don't get me wrong i am having fun with giant survivor and i do love how the time has progressed i'm once again i'm not early in either one of these games but yeah i just with zelda i can see myself exploring more and not getting bored of it whereas with giant survivor while I'm exploring to find a bunch of like the cosmetic stuff to upgrade my, or not to upgrade, but to change my lightsaber, just the way how I Our want it match. and all the commit stuff. Well, that's cool and all with breath, with breath of the wild, with tears of the kingdom, it just has more oomph to it where it's like, you find a shrine, you find, um, you find a spot where you can commune with the dragons or you find a spot or you find a bunch of Koroks. I found a random Korok cause I was trying to help, um, this dude hold up a sign in oh, Hyrule Castle Town ruins, and I'm just trying to figure out a way. Of what can I do to like just keep it, keep the sign from toppling over? And then I see this rock. I pull it over, and just a croc goes, "Yeah!" I'm like, "Oh shit!" Uh, yeah. So I I was in a fight, and I was gonna attach a rock to a stick. So when I picked the rock up, and a cora came out, and I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I have to pick up every single rock now to find if there's the other cora under there. I, <laughs> I was already doing, although I do feel bad because um, I found a Korok who was like, I need to go to my friend. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. I didn't figure, I couldn't figure out on how to, it was uh, right before the second shrine. There's these two rails that connect these two shrine that, that connect um, to like the big waterbed where the second shrine yeah, yeah. is. And I figured, I was like, oh, I could attach this. Because that's what I love about this game is that you crew, you create the puzzle or you solve the puzzle there's like multiple different solutions you just have to figure it out or you just yeah. have to think of one and of course i thought this one way i was like oh i'll take these two lock these i'll stick these two logs together long ways but then like oh wait how am i gonna get up oh i could just run up i didn't run up fast enough it's not until later 
when I'm playing to get like further away from that, I'm like, oh, I should have put them. Si- oh, I'm an idiot. I should just put them side by side, and then the thing. Oh, I'm an idiot. No, yeah, it's it's but, yeah. But then I realized, wait, this is Breath of the Wild. This is a Breath of the Wild style game. I can come back. Mm-hmm. I could fast travel. And I just got my glider, and now the call to adventure is there. And I am in just the bugs got me good. It's got yeah. me just like it did in 2017. I miss it. And even yeah. look, seeing how Hyrule has changed, it, I still feel like I'm back home, oddly enough. Yeah, no, I I played Breath of the Wild once like four or five years ago. I didn't play it at launch. Um, but, you know, playing that game once through, and it's been enough years now where like this, it is the same base hyrule like map but like a lot of stuff has changed like obviously like the sky stuff has like has destroyed the ground and like six years have passed so like there's new towns have popped up and there's so many more monsters there's so many more npcs this world like i love breath of the wild it did feel a little like empty but like this one like there is considerably more life everywhere there are patrols happening everywhere again it feels like an elden ring like it's this game couldn't have been inspired by elden ring because they're coming out at the same time but it's so funny that two of the best open world games of all time that came out one year apart both have like secret underground like layer stuff happening. Like oh, it's yeah. just really cool that like great game design, like people will find it eventually. And it, ha- it happened at the same time. Because uh, this game was supposed to come out last year, remember? Imagine mm-hmm. if this and Elden Ring came out the same year. I don't even know what the world would, would do. What would we oh, do? Oh, there, there'd be fine. I'm, I'm glad that it didn't come on. Well, first of all, I'm glad it didn't come out during Elden Ring because we all know how much time we all of us sunk into Elden Ring, especially Ryan and myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just glad they were able to polish this as much as they did. And the mm-hmm. game is as good as it is. I won't lie. I was watching reviews, spoiler-free reviews, mind you, about the game, just just getting ready for it. And now that it's finally here, it's on my Switch. It, it's just like, I was this close to like to, ready to do the bit of when we opened the show of me holding my Switch, playing it. Because I just, I want to. I had, I am just ready for it now. I'm ready to explore again. I missed it. My and again, like I already said, my final thoughts would be, but like my favorite thing, and the first game did it too, is like when when it opens up the world, like hey, here's the main quest. It's like here are four places you might want to visit. Do them in any order you want, and then it's then just the game. That's the game, and you just you it is up to you. And it is a problem. I have seen people not saying that the game is bad, but this they're having a problem connecting with it because some people need structure. Some people mm-hmm. can't play open world games, especially games like this where they don't tell you what to do. And yeah. especially if you didn't play, play Breath of the Wild, I think this game might be a lot for a for a new person oh, to play this yeah. game. This is yeah. such a such a video ass video game, uh, and it's so expansive. Like I can see a person playing this for an hour, going, "I have no idea what to do." Mm-hmm. Um, but like if you're entwined in video, video games and how they work, like you know, like most video game people, so like yeah. you'll get it. Uh, I I do love how because I just talked to Pura. I just opened. I just got like my. A, a part the central Hyrule part of the map just opened on my little thingy and she said okay there's four things here you might want to check them out um we recommend going to this one first but just do whatever you want yeah what i love about this one just like how much i love breath of the wild is that they give you suggestions of say hey maybe you want to check it's like hey here's where the four beasts are good luck getting to them and then yeah. while you're going to them, like even then there was like another um, person I was talking to saying, oh yeah, I'm from the Southeast of Hyrule, beautiful coastal town. It's being overrun by pirates. I'm like, I want to go kick some pirate ass. Yeah. I and love, I, um, go ahead, sorry. No, not only that, there's like, there's like three other shrines around that I can see. And there's a few other towers I can get to. 
I cannot tell you how many times when I was playing Breath of the Wild when it first came out that I'm just like, ah, one more shrine. Oh, that was too easy. Oh, oh, look, I'm going to try to get this tower. Cool, I got the tower. And then I got another part of my map open up. Yeah, you know what? I also want to go. Oh, there's another shrine down there. Let me go to that shrine. Why do I see the sun coming up? Yeah, it's 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 the perfect, like, oh, one more thing. Like, oh, I can mm-hmm. see that thing in the distance. All the time, pop <coughs> over to it. And then you see something else and see something else. And yeah. Yeah. It was really hard because when Sparks said, "Hey, like nine fifteen, this is when we're gonna try and start." I'm like, mm, I don't, I, I, I'm a good part where I want to sit, where I could save and and stop, but uh, no, why is it's it's hard? <laughs> good game, good ass game. It is, it is a good ass game. Can't wait to play more of it. I mean, yeah, besides that, besides uh, Tears of the Kingdom, Star Wars, Jedi Survivor, I've also um, well, I'm watching Rebels again. Me too. I am, I am on episode thirteen of season one. Oh God, I just met Ket Lando. Cal- I just got through the Ket Lando Calrissian episode. I, um, so I still, I still got a ways to go. I still have seasons two, three, and four, but I'm on my way. You got plenty of time. You're great. Yeah. You're doing great. Yeah. Love Ezra it. just built his his first lightsaber. I met Lando, and we just we also found out that there's this one senator dude was who was um, a trap. He was essentially luring people he was luring insurgents in and then the empire would take him out because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he he's a fake senator in exile <coughs> Ooh, a senator yeah but yeah that's pretty much my week love it love it all right sparkles all right hit me okay not physically um let's see <coughs> i'm playing jedi survivor that's the game i'm playing um and i'm only bringing it up because as you were talking about like comparisons of things i realized like this week i had this this week is probably the most frustrated i've been with jedi survivor um because there are some puzzles where i'm like either this was this was not clear or uh that's it um and there was one there was one room in particular where my mom and i like so my mom's playing through it with me. And so like we went in and we were checking out the stuff. We pull aside all the these pieces. It's like one of the Jedi temples uh, puzzles. And there were like three avenues that kind of led to nothing. And we were like, what? Why yeah. is this here? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was that was frustrating. Um so that was a I that's where I'm at with Jedi Survivor right now. I was like, I, I like it, but like some of the puzzles are fruitless. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll tell you what. Like, I I am a, always a big proponent of of customization in games. But when I'm 25 hours into your game and I do something really hard and all I get is like a color change for my lightsaber, after a while I'm kind of over it. I'm gonna be honest. I don't need. I have like 45 lightsaber like material colors to choose from, and I just don't care. How, how do you I just don't care? How do you feel about like the most challenging part of the room? <clears throat> excuse me being a part where you go up and all you get is a sense echo oh yeah yeah Oof. oh yeah oh yeah oh we'll that's, talk about it in the in the review that's why yeah uh <laughs> i again i really like survivor but like it's not doing enough for me where i'm like i'm just gonna play zelda <laughs> unfortunately i know like, I'm compared, gonna... to, compared to fallen order they made the, like the the open feeling of the game superior yes but like to me, that that doesn't mean a lot if it's if it's all kind of fruitless to go through. Yep. If you don't care about customization, literally ninety percent of that stuff is kind of nothing. Right. Yeah. 
Like the only other advantage is like being able to get more skill points because you encounter more enemies by doing it. Oh, that's true. And you and find like, like and the... like then you can unlock more abilities and that kind of thing and like yeah. cool. But like anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Not really. Um, no. Yes, no, but I, I'll also say that there are parts of me that even started getting a little bit frustrated. I mean, once again, I'm still very early in Jedi Survivor, but there are definitely parts where I saw like a stem, um, like a stem extender. But it was on the other side of a gorge, and there was a door that I could not open. And I'm just like, oh, I have to like put a mental mark until I'm able to open this door That's and explore and explore this thing again. But I do agree that even with uh, um, Fallen Order, there are times where I'm like exploring, I and I get this really hard puzzle, and I and I'm like, yes, I got this. And <laughs> it's like all I get is a goddamn poncho. <laughs> ben, <clears throat> what I will say about Survivor is the map is much better. Um, because those things you're talking about, if you look, Ben, they're now going to be yellow and it, mm -hmm. and it'll say undiscovered area. So like, okay. if you couldn't open the door, the map tells you, Hey, by the way, when you, when you were around here, you couldn't open that door. That's resident. Okay. And like, mm -hmm. it's, it's much yeah. better. The map system is much, much better than it was the yeah. first time around. So like, and there's mm -hmm. fast travel. And so like, oh, yeah, that feels better. Yeah. In terms of doing exploration, because I've definitely had that where I'm like, oh, where didn't I go here? And I pull up the map and it's like yellow door here, yellow door here, yellow door here. Oh, cool. I didn't go through there. Um, yeah. And they've also been good about like marking things in red, which means like you can't do that yet. Yeah. Okay. Come back later. Yeah. I will say, though, it felt good when I fought my bit, my first like really hard boss. And it was on a side quest into a mine in the first in the on Kobo where you fight a Rancor. Oh, my God. Oh, Ben, that Rancor, I spent like an hour fighting. Yeah. And I was 45 like, I'm minutes. Not, I am, I play Dark Souls. <laughs> I am not turning my difficulty down. Ben, this is, this is so funny because I'm like, I'm a good eight or nine hours into the game. I have not encountered that Rancor yet. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> because there's, there's, there's a specific spot where like, you're supposed to go left, but if you go right, you just fall into a hole and it's there. Yeah, yeah. So I think you just missed it. Yeah. But he's totally going to kick your ass later. Oh, well, sure, that's, that's an true. awful fight. I don't think yeah. that's the happening. What I did, like, what I did yeah. stumble on is running through the enemy campaign area on Kobo. Mm -hmm. And there's a part where like you, you kill a bunch of Aldroids and then you go to collect an item that's right in the center. <laughs> the floor drops out yep. beneath you. And then you have to fight a frog monster. Oh, that hits way too hard. Ogdo Bogdo's oh. child. Yeah. Yeah. The hits, child of Ogdo Bogdo. Hits way too hard. Yeah. That. Yeah. Uh. <coughs> Out of curiosity, what difficulty are you guys playing on? I'm playing on the no, medium the Jedi Knight. The, the standard. The standard. Yeah, yeah, me too. And yeah, that Rancor fight was still stupid hard. No, that's the type of game again. We, we, we'll talk about it with our review, but like... Yeah, yeah we will. We uh, will uh, but. Dark Souls <sighs> is Dark Souls, and then other people who try to be Dark Souls, like, it, it's just not the same. Yeah. Um, okay, so, uh, outside of that, I started the Muppets Mayhem. Um, that's the, the Electric Mayhem-focused Muppet show that just came out on Disney+. Plus. Uh, two episodes in. It's very good. I really like it. Um, I I think it lives in the world of of massive Muppet media, the the context of like the Muppets being the celebrities that they are and like the Electric Mayhem being this band that kind of everybody loves and everybody just like kind of just blips out of their mind that they never made an album. Yeah. Um, and then like when they get told that they're like, that can't be true. Oh, wait. Um, it's it's funny. I really like the human characters that they've put around them. Um, I think that the setup it works. And the Electric Mayhem are very entertaining two episodes in without any of the other Muppet characters needing to be present. Hell yeah. I think it's working. Um, this is the most 
this is the most I've enjoyed one of the Disney Plus Muppets products um, so far. Nice. I, I really, really like this one. Uh, this this feels much more in, in line with like something if you're not doing like a straight up Muppet show again. Uh, this is more in the line of what the kind of thing I want you to make. It's much more spiritually close, just focused on Electric Mayhem to what um, the ABC Muppet show was doing, which I liked. So, um, Kaiju number eight. Uh, I had had a new chapter come out and I'm staying caught up on that. And the only reason I really, really wanted to spotlight it is because I will be as delicate around spoiling too much as possible. Um, one of the big... Uh, dangerous monsters has created little monsters in like the shadow image of some of our main heroes. And one of them gets defeated after many chapters here. And as she's laying there dying, you kind of get like her backstory and how like she's told by this head mon monster that um, what, because she's created in the shadow image of the other, she's like this dark reflection. And so she's craving parental love. Mm -hmm. And she says, like, do you love me? Because that's the thing I need you to say. And it's like, if you kill the person I created you to kill, I'll love you. And as she lays defeated and dying, um, she kind of has like a mind connection with the, the hero who killed her. And she realizes that, like, he was never going to love me and I never mattered anyway. Aww. And then dies into oblivion. And like, oh, guys, <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> it was a rough piece of kaiju number eight um highly recommend you going and and catching up when you have the chance speaking of that kind of thing i also because it happened at the same time read the latest chapter of chainsaw man Ooh. and i only want to spotlight that one because there were two pages that made me laugh the fuck out loud <laughs> and what they were is that chainsaw man is saving a woman and as they are going away uh they're trying to get away faster from a giant uh, demon and so she says, steal that motorcycle, Chainsaw Man, please. And he looks down and he's like, don't be stupid. I can't steal that. There's a woman on there. <laughs> she's riding it. I can't do that. And then she points to another motorcycle and it's a dude on. She's like, well, steal that guy's then. And then immediately the next panel was him kicking the side of the motorcycle <laughs> saying, beat it. <laughs> and like, just does not care once there is a dude on the motorcycle. He said, just, just smashes it. Just says, get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I love Chainsaw oh, Man. That's great. Um, <laughs> which is very apt because I had, excuse me, my goodness, I'm still recovering from my cough. He was a little sicky sicky. Mm -hmm. mm. I was muting my mic a bunch last week with, when I was dealing with yeah. this. Um, I had, for personal reasons happening at home, a lot of downtime where I was kind of downstairs with nothing to do. Um, but I wasn't really in the space where I wanted to, uh, work on <laughs> network stuff. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, I decided to watch Chainsaw Man because I was mad that I didn't catch up on it. And, uh, I watched the entire season this week. Um, I love that manga. It's no secret that I've said that it's, it's an incredible manga. I think it's excellent. Um, I liked that show when I watched the first episode. I thought it was really good. I thought they did a great job of capturing the characters. Um, and the animation was stellar. I still have that opinion. However, when I watched the first episode, the dub was not out. I have now watched the dub of Chainsaw Man because that's what I did for the remaining episodes. And that shit is so funny. Um, they have captured those characters so well. And like the timing and pacing like that they are doing to land the comedy of certain characters, it it literally blew me away. Like, I just, I thought I would have a problem with the fact that, like, when I, I pictured in my head that when Denji 
our main character turns into Chainsaw Man, but the voice would change, but it really doesn't. But now it kind of works for me. Um, when I read it, I kind of imagined it a different way, but I, I like this. Um, I, I can't quite quantify how great the dub is, except to say that there's like, there's this scene where basically a character is talking to Denji and saying, so you're basically just, you're going to keep doing this so that Makima will sleep with you. And it just cuts to him and he's like, yeah. And then uh, he's just like, yeah, (laughs) that's exactly how he says it. And then it cuts back to her and she's like, even if she turns out to have the shittiest personality it cuts straight back to him and he's like, I like shit. Um, (laughs) That's it. And I, I, I'm so impressed with the dub performances on that show. I'm so impressed with the animation. Uh, the story is an excellent story. I will admit, I'm kind of stunned the finale ended where it did. It's not the stopping point I thought they were going to do. Um, and it's not the one I maybe would have picked. But if they could only do the amount of episodes they could for the quality level, I'm fine. Um, I still think it's a good... They end an arc. It's just not the arc I thought it would be. uh uh-huh. Highly recommend. It's oh, yeah. on Hulu. Uh, go watch it. The dub is excellent. The sub is good too, but the dub is excellent. Uh, you, there is an episode in the middle of this season that is. How many like, episodes are in a season? Twelve. I can do that. Uh, there's an episode in the middle of the season that is like Cyberpunk Edgerunners level of like, yeah, you're gonna be upset about that one. Hell yeah, <laughs> um, I love being upset, <laughs> and and it only gets worse from where this season ended. I'm into it. I'm into um, it. But like. Oh man, they really nailed it. It's it's special. I love Chainsaw Man. Real quick, <coughs> hey Grayson, thanks for showing up. No need to apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime you show up for a thirty seconds, even one second, I'm happy you're here. But thanks for showing up. Appreciate you. Yeah. And the last thing that I'll touch on um, is that while Ryan was playing a bunch of Tears of the Kingdom, he also happened to be sitting on the couch next to me uh, while this entire household was watching Yellow Jackets. Uh, uh, of course. He, just finished the first season. Uh, that show's real good. I'm man. so happy. My fiance so was happy. this close to starting Yellow Jackets the other day, and I was telling her, I was like, talk to Ryan Sparks about that show. They'd love uh, it. Uh, yeah, that that show's very, very good. <clears throat> very, very hard to put down. Um, I was happy today because I found out I was doubly right about a character in terms of <laughs> theories. I was very proud of myself. I nailed it in two. I was like, yes. Got him. Uh, I knew who this guy was from beat one. Um, <laughs> He's a great guy, is what he is. Yeah, except for the black villain. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like that's such low level compared to compared everything to, else. like cannibalism. He was being he yeah. was being put up against. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, there's no book club. <laughs> so yeah, Yellow Jackets, a show that uh, I've loved. I'm now I'm happy my roommates are a part of it. Uh, it's about a group of uh, soccer girls in 1996, and they crash land in the wilderness, and they survive for almost two years doing what? Lots of terrible shit. <laughs> Lots of awful, spooky, spooky stuff. Uh, and also haunts them in the in the future. Uh, it's a dual uh, timeline story. It's just fantastic. Uh, uh, season two ends th- this coming week, uh, and I'm just going to be so sad because it's going to be like a year, two years with the writer strike. Who knows? Uh, Probably next... two because it was two already. Yeah. So uh, uh, I'm just glad that we've gotten we've gotten here. I'm just glad my friends are here to watch it too because it's a it's a great show. I it's think a it's really great show. Some like but like it is yeah like graphic and like scary. But like I, the thing that I'm so attracted to is like the performances and the characters. I just like I, I told you before like Misty Quigley, uh, Christina Ricci's character is one of the most like insane like 
insane characters I've ever seen on TV, but she's so good. She's I would watch an entire show just about Misty. She's so captivating and evil, but like fun. It's it's a performance of a lifetime. So like I like the first two seasons of Arrow fine. <laughs> but when I when the show started and they said like yeah it was five years ago and they're like yeah for the next five seasons we'll be doing like jumping back between him being on the island and not yeah yeah, yeah. I expected it to get <coughs> weird and difficult like this show does not maybe to the same degree because it's a cw but like that it would be that kind of endurance thing and like it makes me chuckle because like season three they abandoned that entirely and he got off the island yeah season four he goes back to the island and then season five if he leaves the island then goes back to the island again so like they they were like we can't possibly come up with enough story to keep him on the island for five years yeah uh and and draw it out and i'm like man the show's killing it yeah just killing it uh and the and the trajectory of like how fast things are happening. Cause you know, th- these girls, we know they get rescued almost 19 months after it happens. So like, and we see from episode one, they're doing murder cannibalism. Like as like we see like before they get picked up. So like the slow burn of how we're getting there. It's so good. It's so good. They're <coughs> not, it's not going too fast, too slow. Like it makes sense that these things are happening in as they're happening. But, uh, but importantly, I, I mentioned it to my wife that like, we don't know of our modern day characters we're following what level of bad they were on the cannibalism scale and yeah. all that kind of stuff and who they were on the like perpetrating it and yeah. like going full it's tilt. still too early for going that. full tilt crazy we only know one of them where they were yeah and the other three we don't and like i just assume they're all bad people but um but like they're muddying those waters and so it's like i don't know who knows it's really everyone's complicated it's just it's a it's an incredible show yeah Real good, real good. Okay, I think that'll do it Cheers. for our weekly roundup, friends. Uh, so Eww. let's go ahead and get into our bread and butter. Bread and butter. Yum, 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 yum. Look at little Babs. <laughs> I need more Zelda in my life. Is, is that your Switch? No, it's my Legend of Zelda game. And oh, God, that's it. That's a tiny <laughs> I, was all, I was like, that doesn't look right. That's a cool ass looking Switch. No, it, it's it's my uh, it's my Zelda game and watch. It's cute. That I got a, a while ago that I had, you know, because 35. Anyways, let's ignore that. Babs, bread and butter. All right, news. friends. A lot of shit uh, going some down. Sad news. Sad news up top. Mm-hmm. Um, John Rafua uh, died. Um, he was the editor on Avatar and Avatar The Way of Water. Those are the most notable uh, large high profile films um he passed away from bile cancer on may 14th he was 58 years old no. um he was also an editor on transformers last night geostorm and law and order um for don't, a long don't. time to name a few um hey man editors their jobs are important yeah and 58 just bummer age to lose yeah bile oh, bile yeah. cancer that sounds awful that's a bummer um cancer it will sucks. be interesting sorry go ahead ben cancer sucks Oh yeah, absolutely. It will be interesting to see a different editor on the next Avatar. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, that's very sad. Yeah, um, Brendan O'Brien uh, passed away at sixty. You know who this is, Ben? Um, I'm looking at Bre- the thing right now, and I'm very upset. Yeah, Brendan O'Brien is an actor and musician who appeared in Riverdale and Grindhouse, but most notably was known for his work as Crash Bandicoot, where he played the title hero Doctor Neocortex and Tiny Tiger. This was uh, all before. The latest crash, so the the original trilogy stuff. Everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
This this was uh, pulled from his obit. Uh, one of his proudest moments was coming up with the original voices for the Crash Bandicoot video games during the Naughty Dog years of 1996-2004. He encouraged nostalgic Crash fans in their own pursuits and loved signing their memorabilia. Wow. Like music, designing character voices for animation, radio, and video games came naturally to him. Uh, yeah, so passed away at 60. Yeah, that's And the Neocortex even, he's... He did all the voices? He did. That's he, crazy. He was, I didn't know he did, that. He was Crash, Dr. Neocortex, and Tiny Tiger. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I cannot tell you how many times when I was a kid, when my brother and I would be playing Crash Bandicoot 3, we would, every time like something happened, we would always go, whoa! We whoa. would imitate the whoa that you hear right. in the video games. Yeah. And uh, this is this sucks. Yeah, he's yeah, a, that's a, that's even, that's a video game icon. Yeah, even like Dr. Neocortex himself, like in the in the crash games, he had like such a gravitas to him in all of his cutscenes. And oh uh, man, that's a bummer. I'm yeah. I'm sad now. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad he's resting, but at the same time, I would say that 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 he was <coughs> a video game icon, even though we didn't know exactly who he was. Yeah, yeah. Details of his passing have not been made public at this time. Mm-hmm. Um. And lastly, uh, Jim Brown. Um, I'm going to go on for a little bit about this one. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer Jim Brown, unstoppable running back who retired at the peak of his career to become an actor as well as a prominent civil rights advocate during the 1960s, has died of natural causes. He was 87 years old. He participated in the Cleveland Summit after Muhammad Ali faced imprisonment for refusing to enter the draft for the Vietnam War. And he founded the Black Economic Union to help promote economic opportunities for minority-owned businesses. He later launched a foundation focused on diverting at-risk youth from violence through teaching them life skills, through which he facilitated the Watts Truce between rival street gangs in Los Angeles. Damn. So very influential person. Yeah. Um, as an actor, you would know him for appearances on Knight Rider, The A-Team, The Running Man, and Mars Attacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Was he the general in Mars Attacks? No, he's the guy who's trying to get to his family in Mars oh, Attacks. Oh, God, I love them. Yeah. Yeah, that's Jim Brown. Yeah, I didn't know he had such like a... I only know him from like showing up in movies. I had no idea he had did all this awesome work. That's incredible. Yeah. That's, yeah. And he also has like this like impeccable record when he went out in his football career, which I also didn't know about until. Yeah, this. that's crazy. Yeah. What a life. <coughs> He's like my favorite character in Mars Attacks too. Like all the characters, I wanted him to get back to his family. And when the helicopter flies away and he's still in his, in his, um, his, Egyptian uniform king, in Vegas. King, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The king's a, and he's just punching out all these uh, aliens. That, I'm just like, please don't die. Please don't die. Please don't die. And then you see him and be like, yes! Is that a Tim Burton movie? Yeah. That might be his yeah. like best, like his most underrated movie. Yeah. I think Mars Attacks is incredible. Yeah. I feel like nobody talks about that movie. Yeah. Um, <coughs> maybe one day we will soon. It is being discussed as being on our real score. Oh! Because <laughs> the score for that movie is kind of all over the yeah, place. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, Jim Brown, um, incredibly influential figure, yeah, that's awesome. um, especially in civil rights terms, like uh, what a loss, but uh, a long life as well. Yeah, rest Strong peace, legacy. Absolutely. Okay, moving on from there, friends, we're going to talk a little bit about the writer's strike. It's not um, over. They didn't give them all the money. So the writer's strike is ongoing. Um, this isn't actually technically about what they're doing right now. Uh, what it is about is that while that strike is continuing, SAG-AFTRA uh, may be entering the fight officially. This week, the National Board for SAG-AFTRA voted unanimously uh, for those who need clarification. This is the Screen Actors Guild. This is the, the Actors Union representation. Um, they voted unanimously to recommend union members authorize a strike in lead-up to negotiations on their contracts June 7th. So this doesn't mean that a strike is authorized yet, but the board has said 
this is what we should do. We want to do it. And there will be a secondary vote to say, yes, we have authorized a strike. Here's a uh, quote from the union. <clears throat> An affirmative vote does not mean a strike would necessarily happen, but it would allow the national board to call one uh to call on it if deemed necessary during the negotiation process. The action comes following a unanimous agreement by the TV theatrical negotiating committee that the strike authorization will give the union maximum bargaining leverage as it enters this round of negotiations with the AMPTP. Man, this is great. Uh, so they're hoping that if they authorize the strike, they'll get what they want, won't have to do it. Um, that they'll be able to get everything they want in the negotiations. However, we know that one of the reasons this is happening is because they are just as concerned about the residual pay for actors with streamers as the writers are. Yeah. Um, it's the same problems for a different group. Yeah. So, uh, and AI, AI, same thing. The AI contracts are also a problem. So if those two sticking points are still something the studios aren't going to work with them on, they will strike as well. And I, I, I got a feeling that they won't give in to the demand. So I this this is like the strike's happening. Everyone get on mm. it while you can. This this is the moment to like we need to fight back. And like if actors like you want to see like <laughs> if you're like if you're online like you see how many actors are supporting all the writers. Like you know you see Chris Pine and like Mandy Patinkin and like all these people showing up because they're like hey like I'm a pretty face. I'm an actor. I'm not a writer. I I don't make the scripts. Writers do. So like everybody knows how important writers are uh, except for the people upstairs. If actors are also going to be in on this, then you, there's no, you, there's no movie making. Like you can make a movie without a script. It'll be bad, but you can make a movie without a script. You cannot make a movie without actors. So the other, that's awesome. The other group, everyone's still waiting for to make a, some kind of move is the director's the direct, guild. Yeah. Um, their contracts are still a little further out from needing negotiation. Um, but everyone's wondering if the director's guild will make a motion around what Hagaftra is talking yeah. about doing. <clears throat> uh, notably, they haven't struck, um, performed a strike in, uh, in the film and TV industry since the, the merger of sag and after in 2012, their last strike against the studios was in 1980, a 95-day walkout that established contract terms for pay TV and video cassettes. It, it, just to it, make you clear on how yeah, old that I, would be. This has been showing up on Twitter of like, hey, here's all the times that strikes have happened in like the 50s and the 80s where like things actually happen. And it's like, if you fight for it, these things are possible. You just have to fight really hard for it. Uh, and it's like, again, like, this is like a really this feels like forward momentum for the industry because like we're we're three weeks into this now right <coughs> we're not stopping anytime soon the writers right. aren't gonna stop so like this feels like they have to give in eventually they, mm -hmm. you, you'd hope because like otherwise like what are they gonna do just like uh, ai cg everything like can't, can't, we're not there yet they, they, it's already like the studios have already lost the amount of like more than the amount of money this year from not giving into these demands than they would have paid the writers this year. Yeah. They've already lost it. It's already like because of productions that have had to be stopped or stalled or delayed or whatever. Oh, this is this is not relevant to this, but David Zaslov was at like Boston University. Oh my god, it was so and funny. he got booed. <coughs> and there was chanting pay your writers. And the fun thing is Ooh. like David Zaslov, like he he asked a bunch of different universities if he could speak and a lot of them said no boston was like 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 the third choice or something like they didn't even want him and he 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 still got booed there and i'm like yeah fight back uh someone pointed out on twitter that he has become like the face of corporate entertainment uh and like it going wrong yes and i think that's yeah. so funny and so deserved absolutely 
It definitely <laughs> is because all the moves he's been making are some dumb moves. I mean, we'll talk about dumb moves that another corporation is doing later on. He the started today, it. But yeah, he started no, it, and we'll get there. The shit. We, we said it. Like once somebody <coughs> pulls the pin on, oh, we can take stuff offline. Everybody starts to do well, that's it. That's why, and, the, and that's why the you know the striking is happening. Yep. Um, any other thoughts on the strike stuff, Ben? Before we move on, mm-hmm. we will get back to what we're alluding to uh, near the yeah. end. Yeah. Um. Pay your damn writers. Yeah, of course. Pay everybody what they're owed. Yeah. Residuals. The thing is, like, people, I understand, like, people who don't pay, like, read up on this or pay attention to this, they don't understand the importance of the residuals. The residuals are the thing that guarantee people a secure, like, ability to afford to live off of their career when they are in between jobs. And when they are, like, if they're not getting residuals, then they're not able to sustain a living. Yeah. Working in entertainment. Because, like, it's not like because not every writer and not every actor is working all the time yeah like a writer does not does not work two weeks they don't write for two weeks and then get a two-week paycheck like we do they get a one lump sum a lot of the time like hey here's and then write the script for us and then they'll never see any more money out of that or sometimes they will depending (coughs) on the agent and stuff like that but like depending if we're talking about television absolutely yeah and all these kinds of things but like residuals is what is able to carry them through so that they can say a stay in a living. This isn't about them like living in the upper class. This is about them living out of poverty. Yeah, not being poor <laughs> while they are yeah. pursuing their dream and uh, fulfilling like the massive entertainment industry that we all care about. I said it two weeks ago, but like it's still it's still relevant. Like the one of the writers of The Bear, my favorite TV show of last year, you know, Emmy winning best t- TV show of the year, The Bear. He was he had negative money in his bank account, striking on the line, and I'm just like, how how well, how how does this happen? How do we, I'm so glad the strike is happening. Like it sucks. Like that these people aren't getting paid right now. Like they, they are all working, not doing anything right now. They're striking for the future. Um, but it has to happen. Or realize like it, nothing will change. Uh, yeah. and it is, it feels, and the industry will collapse in on it. So yeah. if they don't, yeah. I mean, have you seen what was, the, 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 what was it? ABC or something. They're rerunning like a hundred thousand dollar pyramid on Friday nights. Like you guys are yeah. failing. So bad. <laughs> we are with the writers and we're with the actors if they strike as well. Yeah. I hope that I hope that they all get what they want and what they deserve. Just pay people. See, so easy. Uh, moving on to some film and television news. Um, the CW has officially scrapped shows. This is just an official confirmation of shows that are no longer with them. Um, the CW is essentially no longer pursuing any prospective series that was put into de- development during the network's old regime before before Next Star. So this includes the live-action Powerpuff Girls show, yep. the Justice U show, yep. and Archie Comics-inspired Jake Chang, and a female-led Zorro reboot. <laughs> okay. um, now, that being said, there is a chance that some of these prospective shows aren't entirely dead as the respective studios that owned them and were pitching them to CW, they now have everything back from what was being worked on, and they can pitch it to other platforms or networks. Yeah, Time will tell if that will happen. Yeah. Um, I would suspect that the Powerpuff Girl one and Justice You are dead. dead. Oh, is someone going to pick up <coughs> Gotham Knights? Oh no! Well, Gotham Knights will is not part of this because uh, this is all the perspective series things that weren't put into practice before Next Star took over. So, like Gotham Knights had a season come out. Oh, these are things that they never even made it to full development. Yeah, okay. Um, that's what we're, they're saying is like these are absolutely the all of these are gone. They're not pursuing any of these, and now it's just like them are they are apparently looking at like what they still have that has been released that they're going to keep around but it seems like almost nothing well uh at the rate that they've been canceling shows not a huge loss no um that powerpuff girl script was always terrible and they went back for seconds it still wasn't enough Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. okay 
some Mortal Kombat 2 casting is out there. Whoa, um, he's about to get his soul sucked! <laughs> Tati Gabrielle, who's best known for her work in the Netflix show uh, You, as well as The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. She's, she's great. She's in final negotiations to play Jade. This is great. Hope she she has it. not closed a deal, according to uh, Deadline, I think. Hope she gets it. He's a, she's, she, she's great. She's very spicy. And yeah. Jade is a very spicy character, whether she's good or bad. Um, uh, so, like, that's great. I just love that we're getting another Mortal Kombat movie. That's great. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I'm really happy that's happening. I hope uh, <coughs> that it's better than the others have been. Yeah. Um, we like that last one. I, I meant uh, I just, like the other sequel and oh things sure like that. No, I hope true. I hope like yeah. it only gets better from here. yes no yeah, yeah we so don't need it, it does it does <laughs> take a nosedive like from the original Mortal Kombat '94 movie or was it '95 or whatever the '90s mm-hmm. movie and then into Annihilation because that yeah. was a hard nosedive. Whereas this one goes up in no- oh god. Speaking of potential hard nosedives, uh, the Venom <laughs> precasting <laughs> deadline reports that Chiwetel Ejiofor has closed a deal for an unknown role in <laughs> Venom Three. It's more, uh, more it's like a Baron Mordo. Yeah, moving over from Doctor Strange to Venom. That's so funny. Wow. That's we're weird. never gonna. We're never gonna see. He's Strange never gonna be Mordo. Mordo again. He's never gonna be Baron Mordo ever again. God. Carl Mordo. That's just. That's just gonna be left dead. That yeah, question oh. will never. Yeah. yeah, that whole thing was like, no, too many sorcerers. It's like, you had such potential. No, but, but, but what if, guys? <laughs> what if he is Mordo in this? That'd be, that'd be wild. I'm just saying, what if, would that make you a little more excited? I'm going to be Maybe. honest. I love Chewie. I love Chewie Attell. I don't know yeah. why he would be in a Venom movie, but like... Uh... Maybe if he does turn out to be Mordo, okay. <laughs> Who's it gonna be? Just like a, like a cop or like some dude? So like just some another <laughs> another multiverse version of Mordo. Yeah, maybe mm. maybe another multiverse I guess. version. I don't like. I just I don't know why you would get him in a Venom movie. He's like, because it's kind of in the Marvel <laughs> universe. You know, it's like it's kind of weird. But I don't know why you get Matt Smith in a Morbius movie, but no, but he's not in a he's not in a Marvel. No, movie. No, he's not already. in a Marvel movie. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I hear you. It's morbid. Yeah, it's weird. Chewy. Um. Pink Panther. Uh, Eddie Murphy is in negotiations to star as Inspector Clouseau in a new Pink Panther film. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog filmmaker Jeff Fowler is directing from a script by Chris Bremner with Julie, Andrew, Julie Andrews producing. Okay. Uh, it is supposedly a live action, action CG hybrid. Yeah. Um, okay. I, you could take that a few ways. This might mean that, um, frankly, they might do something I've always kind of wanted them to do with the a, Pink Panther's a real character. With a Pink Panther film, which is that. Inspector Clouseau sees uh, the Pink Panther cartoon character, yeah. but nobody else does, and it accounts for some of his wacky behavior. Yeah. Um, I let me tell you, and, we'll and I listened to what was it, the Weekly Planet podcast, and they were talking about growing up. I always thought, without seeing it, that the Pink Panther was an actual thing in the movie. Mm. And when you watch those movies, those are just like silly detective stories, and there's not an animated Pink Panther character. He's in, in the movie. credits. He's yeah, he's not an actual character in any of those <laughs> things. And I that always blew my mind. And then I saw the Steve Martin movie, and he's not in there at all either. And I'm like, why is there a Pink Panther at all in this at all anyway? I never yeah, understood it. <laughs> I never saw the Pink Panther films because when I see I hear a film called The Pink Panther, and I remember seeing cartoons of the Pink Panther, I'm like, where's the Pink Panther? It's just Steve Martin doing a funny accent. 
Right. So the cartoon, the cartoons are kind of a different thing. Yeah. Um, and and we're all about like the Pink Panther was essentially like a stand in for like a thief Inspector Clouseau could never catch. Mm -hmm. And in the live action films, the Pink Panther is a diamond and uh, and it is is still this thing that like eludes him. It's always at the center of a story. But um, the the actual like Panther is a visual aesthetic that they brought over from the cartoon into the intro titles. For yeah. The yeah. Films. Um, but as a I think kid, would, I never understood. No, that. absolutely, absolutely, neither did I. Yeah. Um, but as, like, I've always wanted one where like, Clouseau is seeing this cartoon panther that no one else sees. Yeah, and like, it's kind of guiding him along, like giving him way. ideas, good or right, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> like, almost like a Mister Magoo kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, I can so, see Eddie Murphy. Murphy, Murphy yeah, I could see Eddie Murphy play off that pretty well. Yeah. Fingers crossed that that's what they mean when they say live action CG hybrid, because I could see that really working for me if it's like. I don't mind a live action interaction with a CG character if only one person can see it. Yeah. I think that's fun. if he's like a little cuckoo. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. And also, uh, this is to acknowledge Grace in the chat. <laughs> this is about um Ija Force jumping from Marvel to Sony Marvel saying, You were the chosen one. You're supposed to bow to Marvel, not leave it in dark. You were supposed to be the villain of Doctor Strange. <laughs> okay. Last thing uh, in film and television, Futurama has announced a premiere date for its Hulu season. Um, it'll be July 24th. Uh, there was a short teaser released this week with the announcement, and the episodes will release weekly. Y'all, this is the third or fourth time the show's been revitalized. That's insane. Yeah. And I have not watched any of the news. And that depends on if you're counting, like, the four, the comedy the four straight to DVD films that they did, like, as an in-between Those thing. count, because those are good. Those are good. I watched. No, no, no. I meant like as a as an, a, a, another revival thing. Oh. like that was like they weren't doing another season of the show at the time. Yes, they were like we are coming back for these four movies. That's it. I can I consider and then that a show, a show season then the show season. I consider that an extension. Yeah, of the first stuff. Sure. Um, but I guess that's just like that's another here than there. Um, I'm honestly like I I love those first couple seasons of Futurama, but like I never watched the revival stuff that happened like on the other other networks, and I haven't heard many people talk about it to be honest. So like. I've watched all of Futurama. All of and it? I, yeah. Really? And I can okay. say that uh, I don't think any of it's bad. Okay. But uh, is it even as good as, as the original stuff? I, I'll put it in this context. The original stuff is classic. Yeah. Nothing in new Futurama is as bad as new Simpsons. Okay. Like, it's still... Okay, it's, okay. It might not be, like, the top shelf, but it's just one shelf down. Okay, okay. It's not bottom of the barrel. Okay, okay. <coughs> Because I love, also, I was obsessed with Futurama as a teen. Love Futurama. What yeah. I've I've seen all of it, and I'm telling you, like the newer stuff, it's it's not it's not A plus, I but remember, it's not it's not lower than a B plus. I remember the last time I think we talked about on the podcast that like Phil Lamar wasn't getting paid or something, and he wasn't coming. It was back. it was Bender. Bender. Oh, John DiMaggio. John DiMaggio. That's right. And yeah, he held out for a long time, and then they worked out a deal. That's so right. he is back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, it feels like a long time yeah, ago we talked yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, 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 because it was when they announced it and he was holding out because he was like, I know what I'm worth and the yeah. others are just not not doing well, it. Well, cool. Hey, like, that gives me hope to actually catch up because I I was I love that show, man. I recommend it. Like, I I was never upset with watching any more future drama. Okay, okay. I remember, um, like, the last episode did bring a tear to my eye. Like the yeah. like the, the last last episode of the of the Comedy Central revival series, yeah, yeah, for future drama. That was, uh, I thought that was like a really well done finale. Is that the is Ben? Remind me, is that the one where time goes like all the way around again? Nope, it's the one where um, Fry and Leela are stuck in time. Everything yeah, yeah, just yeah. rose around them. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. 
no so in the revival there are a couple of episodes that like get you just as good as <laughs> some <Yeah>. of the originals <laughs> i think a jurassic bark and like my life is over every time yeah 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 uh <laughs> there's there's ones that get close to that level yeah Hell um yeah. for sure death by snoo snoo <laughs> what a show what a great death, show death by snoo <laughs> death by snoo snoo has just been like i just love how futurama has has um taken roots in popular culture and just like random phrases on the internet because i there's like things around inter- around like the internet where like our tiktoks where people go or they see like this big gorgeous amazonian style woman and people are like death by snoo snoo death by snoo snoo yeah or, for sure. or of course like the the ever famous shut up and take my money oh yeah it it or i'll i'll do my own uh it's like i'll have my own mario kart with blackjack and hookers you know what forget the mario kart i think uh and my love of futurama like, <coughs> going to the, the the amazon scene again it's like and it's like what is snoop still oh it's death by sex and you're like oh <gasps> <gasps> yeah <laughs> like you're happy and sad at the same time oh my god i, yeah, I say it's been a while it's been a while since i watched the revival stuff but um, I do feel like Futurama has benefited in a way that a lot of its contemporaries haven't from the time away, because when it goes off air and then it comes back, it feels like a lot of the creatives have had good ideas for a Futurama story. It might not be every single episode, yeah, yeah. but a lot of them, like you get the feeling like you thought of this sometime in the interim and, and really like stewed on it and thought about and perfected it. And so like they come back punching harder and hitting okay. higher quality belt levels than a lot of the mm-hmm. other shows do I'll, because they're not trying to just yeah. roll on through again and again. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll jump back into it. That being yeah. said, I am the most nervous about this one. Yeah. Um, because this one felt more forced. Yeah. Than the previous revival did mm-hmm. where it felt more like, yeah, we, we, you know, we really wanted to bring it back. We had a lot of great stuff to, I haven't heard a lot of that. I've heard more of just like, Disney want more Futurama. Here you go. Um, oh, Disney. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that. I haven't heard a lot of people saying like, yeah, there was a lot of, you know, like good drive to want to do this. Like, you know, so we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Dead by Daylight <laughs> had their seventh anniversary stream this week. Incredible. What a and just ahead of that, was a small teaser showing that Nicolas Cage is coming to the game. We don't know as a survivor, a killer, both. What, what if he's Dracula? <coughs> what if he's Renfield Dracula? I'm. He, I'm he's a survivor. I'm 100 like, convinced he's he's going to be both. I hope so. I know he's a survivor. I just don't know if they'd have like if they would be cool enough to have both. Um, I hope it's a Porque no Los Dos situation where it's like yeah. you could be Nicolas Cage just serve as a survivor, Nicolas Cage, or Nicolas Cage as Dracula. Yeah. And like if he's Dracula, he can also like you can give him his like vampire's kiss, like alternate outfit and stuff. Oh my god. Um, we're told to anticipate more details <coughs> on Nicolas Cage in July. So July 5th. Cool. We'll hear more about that. Sounds good. However, then the seventh anniversary stream happened. So <coughs> excuse me, vice president of marketing at behavior, uh Luke Deshane confirmed that the future film with James Wan's Atomic Monster Studio and Blumhouse is currently seeking both a screenwriter and a director for the project. They're probably going to be seeking for a while because the writers are striking. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that's where the project is right now, and it's it's continuing an active development that they want to see it made. Cool. Um, the first edition of a Dead by Daylight comic will be available in print and digital in June. It will serve as a prequel that will focus on the Legion's origin and explains how the gang of mass sickos all found kinship in one another. Do you all remember the Legion? Yeah. The Legion's They're the, the, the like the weird yeah. mass the purge guys. Yeah. 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 Um, the fast knife guys. So it's a story about them. 
Cool. Um, it's going to be published by Titan Comics. The book is written by Harvey uh, Award winner Nadia Shamas mm. and illustrated by Dylan Snook with Emilio Leche on colors. Cool. So, comic coming? I'm into like, like, yeah, what is, because there is a lot of lore uh like behind the scenes and stuff like i'm curious like what is the world where like these people like are living in a world full of killers that's yeah. gotta be awful yeah <coughs> um and then came the announcement that there are other games in development oh yeah oh boy so um midwinter entertainment a subsidiary of behavior interactive that was acquired back in 2022 is currently hard at work on a pve title that will tackle themes of greed and lust for power that's the pull quote for it Ooh. uh duchene was quick to stress however that it will not be a sequel to dead by daylight instead he described it as a fresh take on the universe that will give teams of four a chance to explore strange new corners of the entity's realm interesting okay okay uh so we're looking at something maybe in the left for dead back for blood aliens fire team elite kind yeah, of yeah, area yeah. so hopefully that that really hits yeah um we're yeah. probably a long way out from it but it's still cool to hear yeah uh, the other one is that Supermassive Games, which is best known for Until Dawn and the Dark Pictures Anthology and The Quarry, um, they yes. have reached a, a partnership, and Duchesne confirmed that it will pretty much be what we've come to expect from the team that brought us those games. Um, hinting as to what's in store, he said, this is a brand new single-player interactive story game set in the world of Dead by Daylight. It will be an intense narrative experience filled with life-or-death choices. This is... <coughs> of all these announcements this is the most exciting because like i love absolutely i love even though not all of their games are are 10 out of 10s like the type of games they make which are like horror telltale games like horror point and click adventures they're unrivaled in what they do um and the quarry the newest one uh was awesome and then like so like uh like like eight years ago they made uh until dawn which is incredible and then they made a bunch of games which are pretty okay and then they made the quarry which is incredible uh, so like they still got it. Um, this makes me really excited. Uh, partnering and like seeing again those characters in different scenarios um, yeah. with like the fidelity that these games look. Like they look so good. And they always get really incredible uh, casts, like really famous <laughs> people, like Hayden Panettiere and David Arquette, and like uh, all these people. So like really excited about this one. Dead by Daylight is an over billion dollar franchise, so I'm not surprised that they're going to keep expanding. It's it's mm -hmm. that game is so big. Yeah, like it is not Fortnite. Nothing will be Fortnite, but for <laughs> a horror-centric game, this game's huge. It's one of the biggest multiplayer games of all time. Uh, and again, seven years into it, and they're still adding more stuff. Like it's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it is. But that to me, that just like shows how popular and how many people play Dead by Dead. I can't tell you how many times I'm like scrolling through my my TikTok or my Twitter feed, and people are saying, "Hey, I'm live playing Dead by Daylight right now." I'm like, "Oh wow, people are still playing that game." And big stream game. Should, oh yeah. Yeah, and that's just goes to show how people love it and how they found they found the secret sauce. It's a live service game that these people found the secret sauce to make them viable and to continue on. And yeah. they, I mean, yes, there are, uh, there are like you know, there's microtransactions, of course, but at the same time, it's like you do this to get killers, and these killers have different abilities, and all these oh, killers, yeah. everything is different. There's all these little things you could use to play the game. Right. And they also go on sale all the time. Oh yeah, they like do. once <laughs> once you get a certain date, like date past a point, like they sell them all the time. They really want you mm -hmm. to be able to get these killers. We, eventually, we didn't play. We didn't play it, but uh, uh, the Ghostface killer is in Dead by Daylight, and I bought one of his outfits on sale when Scream Six came out. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, it was on sale. I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah, I I got um I got I was so happy when I when I put the money in to get Michael Myers. Yeah um and the data mining and like the leaker stuff has already been happening and they already like they've seen that there's gonna be like five 
uh, like killers released in the next couple of years. And like a bunch of them are apparently really big names, like like Jason Voorhees and stuff. So like Ooh. they're still they're not done getting every character they possibly can. And I so. love that they're like they're very good about here's an IP, here's an original idea, and the original idea looks cool and fun and yeah. adds something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, we'll we'll get back to playing more of that later this year. I'm I sure. would love to see, yeah, like movie versions of all these of like the doctor the or like the ones. twins. Yeah. yeah, like that'd be cool. Uh, okay, moving on from Dead by Daylight into comics. Um, <gasps> Daredevil. Saladin him. Ahmed and Aaron Cooter are taking over Daredevil with a new number one in September following a final issue from Zdarsky in August. Um, Zdarsky and Ahmed got together this week and talked about the baton passing on an episode of This Week in Marvel. Ooh, the Billy so Club if you want to hear more about mean? that. <laughs> so if you want to hear more about that go check out that podcast episode uh that's great zadarsky has been on daredevil for many many years uh <clears throat> daredevil is one of those characters who again has had almost unanimously good runs there's only a couple bad runs maybe in his, his decades of, of being around um Saladin Ahmed is a great talent um he's he's a guy writing uh miles, miles i was gonna right say now. he's coming from miles yeah, yeah so like um I have full faith that he'll he'll do something great with Daredevil. Like again, like following like following Bendis and those people, and then following <coughs> Charles Soule, following Zdarsky. Like it's 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 it layup after layup. So like he's got to bring it, but like I believe he can. I Aaron Aaron Cooter also incredibly good artist. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't grab the whole pull quote, but Ahmed did apparently on the episode talk about like pulling other Marvel characters that haven't been in Daredevil comics into the story in a in an unexpected way. So I'm into that. I love um, I love people teaming up. Uh, Death of the Venomverse is written by Colin Bunn with art by Gerardo Sandoval. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's launching in August. Death of the Venomverse will be a five-issue limited series that unleashes Carnage on a quest to become the new king in black. It's built up to, in its four titles, uh, Cult of Carnage, Extreme Venomverse, Venom, and Carnage. Venom still uh, by Al Ewing. Yep, yep, yep. Um, kind of, I, I, I'd be more excited about this event, I feel, if, if Ewing were doing it. Yeah um colin bunn is kind of like oh even, yeah even though he's not writing the main book he has like been like the main symbiote guy for like a decade at marvel he did he did some of the best issues of the lead up to like the absolute carnage and king and black stuff yeah, yeah. um that i recently read so like i i have no qualms with that yeah, yeah it's it's just like when you when al ewing does an event like you feel like he owns it yeah and i kind of wish that's what we were getting right now because yeah. this feels like um this cash in on an idea of a summer of symbiotes kind of thing. Oh, 100%. The thing is, um, <coughs> Ewing specifically right now is stretched really thin between now doing Thor and also doing X-Men stuff. Right. So I just don't think he, I don't think he has enough time to be the leader no, for of this sure. event, mm-hmm. yeah, unfortunately, which, yeah. Um, but I'm excited for it. Like, I like the idea of Carnage fighting the King of Black. I thought the King of Black died, but I, again, it's been a, a year or two since I read that event. So I got to remember. I guess not. Yeah. And uh, you just alluded to it, Immortal Thor, um, which drops in August from Al Ewing with art by Martin Coccolo and a cover done by Alex Ross. Uh, When Polygon asked what he can share beyond this list, Ewing said, doors are indeed opening, buried secrets are waiting to be unearthed, and ancient gods, elder gods, if you will, are coming to bring trial and sorrow to Earth, Asgard, and Thor personally. And he's going to need to be his absolute highest self to face them. And even then, he he might not make it through. The omens are sinister. The storm is at the gate. All-time Thor run incoming. All-time Thor run incoming, y'all. So yes, in the vein of uh, Immortal Hulk, we are now getting Immortal Thor. Um, so I got a new book to pick up. Shit. I, again, Simple like, as that. Thor has also been lucky. Like uh, The Jason Aaron run lasted like a decade, and then some people did it, and Donnie Cates did it. It's been great. Like Thor's had a great run. Uh, this is going <laughs> to be like, oh, here we go, baby. 
now it's obvious. Right. <laughs> oh, baby, comic books. This is so exciting. I can't, there's anything Ewing touches as gold, but like doing the immortal thing for another book. It's like, oh no, you you know what you're doing when you're calling it this book. Right. You're, you're, <laughs> you're going to win some awards is what you want to say. Uh, they didn't confirm it, but we can suspect that Alex Ross will be probably doing the main covers throughout the whole run, just as he did for Immortal Hulk. Do another few uh, issues. So they've confirmed at least the first issue with Alex Ross. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. All of those covers are incredible. Okay. Are. Any other thoughts on Immortal Thor, Ben? I want it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Don't want. Moving on to the shittiest, uh, maybe the shittiest news, I think, of the week. Even I, shittier. This might be the this, shittiest it's, it's, comic it's this, news. It's this and the Disney Plus thing that we'll get into later. But like, in they're, both, of, they're both fighting each other for like shittiest yeah. news of the week. In terms of comic book news, though, like this might be some of the worst comic news we've had in a long time. Okay. In terms of, yeah. So on sale May 31st, Amazing Spider-Man number 26 will see Miss Marvel killed in a heroic sacrifice. The sacrifice, nobody heroic sacrifice coming. in quotes there. Um, this is the official Marvel publicity uh, quote. After first of all, after it was leaked, and then people and then Marvel uh, <coughs> uh, in one hour said, "Hey guys, stay offline because of leaks." One hour later, revealed it themselves because it was too far gone. So this is uh, this is like the actual press that Marvel put out itself. Marvel about. Entertainment. Officially revealed by Entertainment Weekly, the character's everlasting legacy and this storyline will continue in July with a special one-shot, Fallen Friend, The Death of Miss Marvel, an essential issue crafted by an all-star lineup of talent, including the return of the character's co-creator, G. Willow Wilson, the writer of Miss Marvel's latest last solo series, Solid and Ahmed, and Mark Wade, who not only brought Miss Marvel onto the Avengers, but also wrote her central role in the Teen Team Book Champions. Oh boy, people don't like Mark Wade writing her. <laughs> the heart of the Marvel Universe has stopped beating. Now join the other heroes of the Marvel Universe, the creators of Miss Marvel, and comic fans everywhere in honoring and remembering one of Marvel's brightest stars. This is disgusting. So, first of all, characters dying in comics, that's not a, that's not a big deal. That's not why people are mad. Characters die all the time. Characters die so often, in fact, the X-Men made it a plot point. And like, hey, death is so stupid, we became immortal. Death can still happen, but we know it doesn't matter anymore. The way... I don't mind them killing characters in comic books, <coughs> right? Again, like as long as you build up to it, it makes sense. It feels, it feels, it feels good to the story. I feel the emotion. That's fine. Kamala Khan has barely been in this Spider-Man book. She is a side character. Uh, she doesn't have a solo series right now. Uh, she's been getting mini series left and right, but they won't give her an ongoing. Her death is happening in a one shot, not even a mini series, a one shot. The sacrifice nobody saw coming. Because why would you kill your most popular universe character like six months before a movie comes out? Oh, I know why. Because you want to turn her into a mutant before that movie comes out. This is the most cynical, sad thing Marvel's done in a long time. Like truly, like the day that I found this out, like I haven't been so mad at a comic thing in a long time. Uh, because it's not that the fact that they're killing her. We know they're bringing her back to make her a mutant because they did that in the MCU. It's just the worst, the absolute worst synergy that we could possibly have with the MCU. And it makes me furious. It's also so important true. to note um, real quick that this is Asian American Pacific Islander celebration month and they're killing <laughs> a character represented by that group. Yeah. Yeah. Right now in this month, uh, killing a Muslim character, <laughs> yeah. like is for all intents and purposes, seemingly fridging her for Peter Parker's development right now. In his story. Oh, no, but but the editor, <coughs> Nick Lowe, said, guys, just wait till you read the story. Then you'll say something different. As yeah. if anything that could happen in the story will make it okay that she's dying. 
no matter, listen, that book could be a 10 out of 10 great book. The way she sacrifices herself. Wow, she really was a superhero. She sacrificed herself to be a hero. Yeah, because you wrote that to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was naturally going to happen. You just you needed a shocking death. And the thing that makes me the most mad, again, if they didn't build this up so extensively, if for six months they haven't been saying, this is the biggest event in Spider-Man's history in 50 years. This is the most important thing to happen to Spider-Man in 50 years. That's what they were saying. And it's not even about Spider-Man. It's about his friend dying. It's just, I can't believe it. I really, I can't believe like we're, we're doing this in the year of our Lord 2023. Um, and it's not even in her own book. She's a side character. It's not even an issue like 20 or like 50. It's issue 26. It's not even like a good numbered issue. I'm just like, this is so gross on every conceivable level. And there's no amount of damage control that the Marvel editors can try to do on Twitter that will make people okay with this. Uh, Honestly, sometimes you don't need synergy from films to comics. They could just be different. And that's totally okay. Yeah. Also, you don't need to constantly have your MCU characters be the or the comic book characters reflected off the MCU characters. You don't need that. You don't even need a killer. Just do some stupid mumbo jumbo. Like, no, the fact that freaking the fact that they want a killer in a different in a book that's not even her own is just one of the dumbest things ever. Because even when I saw the cover, when I saw, because I didn't know the whole story until I looked at the news today, and I'm like, wow, that's because I was just like, people were, you know, they were talking about shit on Twitter, and I was just scrolling through, not really paying attention to it. Yeah, Us, I'm like, oh, we were doing it, <laughs> yeah. and I know you guys were, do- I know you guys were doing it. I saw you fighting, um, but yeah, this is this is dumb. This is a really dumb thing that Marvel is doing, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not in the camp of like, oh, but they're just gonna bring combo characters back because they do it all the time. Look at all the other billion and a half combo characters who have died and then they came back twenty or X amount of issues later. Like you guys said, it's not the point. The point is, is like we need to figure out a way to synergize this with the MCU. Let's kill her and then make her back into a mutant. And it's just like that's dumb. That's the stupidest thing. Just leave her be. Just let her have her own thing. And like you said, and also Ryan. It's really dumb that they're doing this in a non-big issue. I mean, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, but was it when Superman died? That was a really big issue number, right? They made they made like it was like a whole thing. Yeah, no, like again, like character, like, and it's not like this is not like the nail breaker, but like when big things happen, it's generally like anniversary issues, like issue fifty, yeah. like something big. But like issue twenty six is just like a random issue in the comic book. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, like it just feels like <laughs> yeah, even like when going back to the death of Superman, all the Superman books were involved in telling the story of how he died. Like you had to pick up every single book to get the whole story of, of doomsday of them fighting and how doomsday killed Superman. This was just like, yeah, let's just put one issue out. That'll be fine. And it's like, that's like really. And the bummer is like, again, cause we know because Marvel loves solicits and they like to tell us what's coming out like six months before it actually happens. There is an X-Men book that doesn't have a title that's called classified. And it's a four issue miniseries that's coming out around the same time that the Miss Marvel movie is coming out or excuse me, the, the Marvels is coming out. And I'm like, y'all aren't even like hiding it. Y'all aren't even hiding it. Like right. we know what you're doing and it's just so disingenuous. And again, it's like no matter how many times like, Oh, you just wait till you read the story. There's nothing you can tell me in a single a single comic book issue that justifies the death of this character. If you maybe spent 25 issues building the relationship between Peter and Kamala, and they do have a good relationship. Like we read a mini series about them, like switching bodies or hanging out or whatever it was. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like they have a relationship, but the comic that it's happening in, she's appeared in like, <coughs> in like 12 pages total over 25 issues. It's, it's, it's bananas. 
I literally just thought of something that might have been better than any of this. Hmm. Have her disappear. Have her go missing. Okay. And have like a decent storyline of of Spider-Man trying to find Miss Marvel and then him realizing, oh no, she is like a really major part of my life. She is like one of my closest friends. And then and then when he finds her, find out that she was kidnapped by some strange scientist and found out, haha, you're a mute now. Whoa. I don't know. Just don't no, kill like, honestly, but like that is that is a little silly, but it is no sillier than when they demutinized Wanda and Pietro. With the high evolutionary, the high evolutionary is like, oh, you guys were mutants. Actually, I was, I, I messed with your genes to make you think you were mutants. You're actually, you're not, you're just regular people. And I'm like, that was just stupid and convoluted because you wanted to do what the, the movies were doing. Uh, and that's they, they didn't kill those characters though, right? They didn't kill those characters. Uh, it's just, it's so boneheaded. And it, the thing that pisses me off so much is this is not even going to matter in six months because she will be back as a mutant in a new number one. So like, all this was just for a publicity thing. And I'm like. It's so gross. It's just, it's really gross. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bummer because uh, this one deserves so much better. One, as you pointed out, this is her her 10th year. Her 10th anniversary year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that they're killing her off in this super shallow way to, for all we know right now, yes, make her immune, but not only that, but maybe reinvent the character entirely and lose her original powers to now have the movie powers, which yeah. is what everyone fears. Yep. And she's going to um, hang out with the X-Men now instead of like her whole crew, whole crew that she spent a decade <sighs> hanging out with. Like, who knows, man? It's just it's, and none of her, none of the characters who she's the closest with are featured in the one shot that's about mourning her. Oh my god, yeah! It's again that that a spoiler alert for issue twenty six of the comic, but like we see the page, and it's so funny because people love shitting on MJ's new husband, Paul, the the biggest Spider Man villain of all time, Paul. <laughs> uh, it's a guy that MJ's with Ben, and she has kids, oh. and they have kids, and like people hate the comic because because you know she's not with Peter, and I and it's understandable, or whatever. But like Paul is there, and he's crying with MJ, and he's like Paul, you don't know Kamala. What are we doing here? What is happening here? Get out no, of Paul. No, none of the other champions. none of the champions, like the Fantastic Four, are there they barely know her. Like it's someone put it very well. Of like, could you imagine if Nightwing died and none of the Titans were in the issue about warning him? Yeah. Yeah, Bane shows up, and Bane's there for some reason. <laughs> it's it's just it's so it's so hollow and devoid of care and and passion for the character. It's so dishonorable uh, to the fans who are fans of this character. It's it's awful. It's gross. I really really hate it, and I, I frankly can't believe that this would happen under the watchful eye of Akira Yoshida. <laughs> oh yeah, CB Sabolsky. Ben, you know about that, right? C.B. Sabolsky, he pretended to be an Asian man to write for Marvel. Oh, I think I remember you guys telling me about this. Yeah, because yeah. he wasn't allowed to be a writer because he he worked there. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a competing clause. So he had to mm. be fake be an Asian man. to, uh, And he edited his own work as C.B. Sabolsky for Akira Shida. Man, yeah, it's, well, Marvel. And, uh, what a world. And, I, and I say all that sarcastically to say, of course, C.B. Sabolsky let this happen. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. And it's something that, um, uh, to, to, we talk about this for us, so I'll end it soon, but like, um, the Axel Alonso era, about a decade ago, when when all of the like quote unquote big diversity pushes, when Miles came out and Kamala, like people are starting to look back on that a little more fondly. Like the Marvel Now era, there's a lot of bad stuff, but there's also a lot of really good stuff. And that was the biggest pu uh, push of like uh, diversity was like yeah, ten years ago for sure. And like people now are realizing, oh, this new regime is not as interested in diversity. Like all of their care, all the big characters are dying or they're getting put in the miniseries, mm -hmm. uh, and it's just a bummer that we're. It seems like we're kind of going backwards instead right. of going forward. And Marvel is supposed to be the place that like we're always going forward. It's just a bummer. For sure. Yeah. But again, in six months, we'll we'll be reading a new number one where she has new powers and she's a mutant hanging out with 
Charles Xavier for some stupid reason. All right, friends. Let's move on to some Disney news. Oh, we have good news? <laughs> we have some. Um, some of it will depend on where you land, I guess. <laughs> uh, for Moana casting, the live-action film Moana, Ali Krabajo, uh, who voiced Moana in the original film, um, has confirmed that she would not be reprising her role for the recently announced live-action film. Um, she said, quote, I believe it is absolutely vital the cast accurately represents the characters and stories we want to tell. Um, she will serve as an executive producer and help find the new Moana. Now, I did definitely want to talk about this because this is 1,000% a shot across Disney's bow about yeah. the casting on the Lilo and Stitch film. 100%. That's what it sounds like. And she is also coming out in front and saying, like, while while she is of, you know, the heritage of Pacific Islander and everything for Moana, she does not look like Moana. Uh, Moana has darker skin, much darker skin than than she does. And Moana is 14. Uh, and she is 22 yeah. and she's like, it should be a teenager and it should be a teenager who looks like Moana. Um, Big ups. Hell honestly, yeah. super happy. She's doing this. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm not upset that she's not in the movie uh, as Moana when this is the circumstances she's saying it's around. Like she's like, it's far more important that it be accurate. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Cool. It is All funny. That that the... <laughs> I was going to say that <laughs> you are putting that up next to the rock. who yeah. looks nothing like Maui yeah, yeah. playing Maui. Sure. Okay. Um, that doesn't look so good either. Yeah. But at least she is taking, this is the right step in her position. No, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. She seems cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, ha I have nothing. I, I everything that um she's doing is yes, go ahead and do it. I still think Disney should not be making this movie yet. Not even sure. Close. That's definitely I mean, that's true. Still but like she's not going to stop it. So I think it's great that rather than like, taking the paycheck she could for starring in it. Yep. She's mm -hmm. saying, no, I'd really rather that it it was a person who should be Moana for a live action film. And she's yeah. going to get that person into that position. That's good. Yeah. I think I'm that's glad. really cool. Because yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad not she's a lot of people doing step this. aside and stand up for it like that. Yeah, I'm glad she's doing this. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, she deserves all the praise, but I, yeah, I'm still hung up on the fact that Disney's making this movie so close after the animated film. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> Okay, moving on. During an Alien Day episode of the Perfect Organism podcast last month, Joshua Izzo, the former licensing director at 20th Century Fox prior to Disney's acquisition of the company and founder of Alien Day, shared details about an anime uh, of AVP, Alien vs. Predator, that exists and why it didn't hit the airwaves yet. And his quote is, there is, sitting at Disney right now, at 20th Studios, 10 episodes of a fully completed Alien vs. Predator anime series that I produced. It's done. It's in the can. It's mixed. It's finished. It was produced in Story Crack by Eric Calderon and Dave Bart Baker. Two unbelievably crazy, talented guys. So there's a 10-episode AVP anime just sitting in the can, guys. Just put it on your server. Just put it on your server. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you just put it up. Just put it up. You remember Prey? Remember that movie Prey you put out on the yeah. Hulu, which you put in the theaters and everyone loved it? Give me a break. Yeah, yeah. Put it on Hulu. Yeah. Just, just put it on Hulu. You're done. Easy, easy piece of lemon squeezy. Disney Hulu is gonna be one thing soon. So you know, Ugh. just I feel like this. We're never gonna see this. No, probably not. <laughs> it, it, it will get leaked one day, maybe. But like, we will never see this, and that sucks. <laughs> Great <laughs> saying Tamso's done. WTF? Gimme. Yeah. Right. And how many and how many other projects like this are we not going to see? That's uh, a big bummer. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wish I didn't hear this news. Mm, at, so least, at least, 
not, I mean, not to give Disney 20th century whomever too much credit, but at least it's done and they're not scrapping it forever for tax reasons. There's a chance sure. that we can still see this, that they'll finally get their head out of their ass and put it up somewhere. At least it's not gone forever like a certain movie involving a certain girl who dresses up like a bat and starring a really cool actor who's who's also going to be a really cool villain. Yeah, yeah, that's Batgirl. We're talking about Batgirl. I I wish I had more faith, but I I don't. With yeah. I just like I I they're not. There's no reason for them. Like, hey, we're just going to give you guys a free show. Like, I don't see them doing that, unfortunately. Yeah, I would love to be wrong, but we'll I don't, see. I don't see. Yeah. Um. In uh, Avengers Kang Dynasty news, uh, rumors and just rumors are saying that Jeff Loveness was taken off of writing for the project before the strike happened. Um, Do you obviously just speculation? Jeff Loveness was the screenwriter for this movie, also the screenwriter for Quantum Mania. Just yeah. catch everybody up. Do you think mm. this 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 might sound more negative than it is? Do you think this might be a situation where they're lessening the the Kang? of the Kang dynasty and getting a different rider to maybe alleviate less Jonathan majors in it in, in some capacity. Do you think? Cause, cause John, Jeff Loveness is the Kang guy. Sure. I think, I think the Jonathan major stuff is still up in the wind. I do think that this might be just more driven from bad responses to quantum mania. You think so? I do. Yeah. yeah. That's what I feel that too. I think that the yeah. quantum mania hasn't um, gotten what the, what the studio wants. So they're probably like, yeah, that's not. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And, like, as far as we know, he was already working on a script, so, like, they might have a version of a script that was his that yeah. now someone else is going to... Yeah, that's that's also kind of... Come in and, and mess with, yeah, but like, I do you, think it's more a reaction to Quantum Mania than I, than I think it is the Jonathan Majors thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, not even so much Jonathan Majors, but, like, because he is Kang, like, maybe, not even saying Doctor Doom, but, like, try to take the focus away from just Kang. Could be. In a way. Could be. Whoever some other writer could be, yeah. Man, it's going to be interesting. They got a whole movie named The Kang Dynasty, and their actor might not be know. in it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Do. Wild. That's, they're that in a wild. Comes, guys, that movie comes out in like, what, a year? Two years? Oh, what? now with the strikes, it's definitely pushed back. <laughs> I just can't believe it. It was like, pushed back already. It's no, I know. Pushed back more. It's just like, there's no way. Like, I knew these movies, those Avengers movies were never going to happen that quick. I knew yeah, yeah. It. No way. You, you and me both, we were like, no, no way. Two years? Crazy. Okay. Uh, Daredevil Born Again casting. Um, Clark Johnson from the shows Evil and Bosch is set to recur and direct. Uh, so recurse throughout the season, direct two episodes of Daredevil Born Again. Okay. Uh, it's not clear who he's playing, but there are rumors going around that he's playing uh, Cherry, who runs for mayor in oh, sure. Daredevil comics. Sure, sure, sure. Um, which uh, would make a lot of sense if we're doing the Mayor Fisk stuff. 100%. Um interesting that he's an actor director that's pretty yeah, cool he's gonna that's direct cool. two episodes and be recurring that makes me think shit maybe he's involved with a lot of kingpin stuff so like he's working on like specific kingpin episodes maybe could be that's cool Probably. that's awesome i love it i'm so bosh i've never watched bosh but people seem to really like that show uh so like you know that's cool in perhaps the best news of the week some other casting deadpool 3 actresses brianna hildebrand and shioli kutsuna have closed deals to return for deadpool 3 as negasonic teenage warhead and her girlfriend yukio respectively hi yukio uh deadpool uh. 3 is now definitely a perfect film apps i was <laughs> i wasn't super worried they wouldn't get everyone but like i just it wouldn't be right without without those two at least without yeah. negasonic they were the, they were the ones who it felt like 
Why not? You could. You could just not. You could just not yeah. because, like, you're trying to leave some of the old X-Men stuff behind and move into your MCU stuff. Yeah. I'm so glad that that's not the case, that we are getting them back. I'm so Me excited. Me So, Jonesen. I am. I'm just happy they're back. I'm just yeah, happy it, they're here. It's it's what mattered to me. I'm I'm pleased as punch. Mm-hmm. Loki and Echo had their premieres announced. Mm. Uh, Loki season two will drop its first episode on October sixth. Echo will release its entire season on November 29th. Hmm. And when you initially hear that, what does that tell you? What does that What does that put in your mind? That they're dropping Echo all at once, as opposed to every other show they've ever put out. What do you? What does that tell you in your mind? Honestly, it doesn't really tell me much. It just it gets, just gets, has me just look go. Why? Because every I, other Marvel every other Marvel show you've been putting up week you've been putting weekly, and now you're deciding to put it up all at once a pri- after a show that you decided to put out weekly. Why change it now? That doesn't make any sense to me. <coughs> yeah, I, I my thinking and my my I hope I'm wrong is that they kind of just want to get it out of the way and they don't want people to be thinking about it week to week because it might not be as good as they want it to be. Mm. And because of the quality control and like the amount of projects that keep coming out, I think they just want to get rid of this one. And I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong because I want the show to be so good because I love Echo as a character and I want that character to succeed. But if this show isn't good, I don't know. (laughs) I do feel like there's a possibility that they're testing to see if this is a method that they want to use to get some of the Marvel shows out in the immediate future because they took on too many at once. Yeah. And now that they're trying to slow down, there were three other shows that were supposed to come out this year. Thank God they're not. That would have been a lot. Um, I think one more could have if they'd spaced out properly, but like that's a lot of shows that they still have to get through. Yeah. Um, But the fact that it's Echo uh, and not Loki... Because, like, Loki's the one to me. If you were going to do this, right, Echo would be the one you do weekly to build an audience. Loki mm-hmm. season two, you could drop all at once because you have the audience. That's Loki a sure season thing. two is yeah. one of the ones that people are the most amped for. It's a season two. You know you have the audience on lock. Dump it all at once. You're fine. People love Loki. But yeah. Echo, Echo needs time to build an audience because, like, I like her in Hawkeye, but, like, it wasn't enough necessarily to convince me that I needed a whole season centered around her. I yeah, need to be yeah. sold on it. And, I, and, and yeah. I'm being as positive as I can be when I say that. Like, I really yeah. like the actor. I like the idea of the character. Yeah. I just, I'm not immediately desiring a show about her based off Hawkeye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Even I thought, I felt it was quick. Like, we just get introduced to her, and all of a sudden she's getting her own show. And I'm like, that's quick? Yeah, I mean, it, it cool. was. I mean, it's cool, yeah. but at the same time, I also feel the same way. I, the second, I mean, yes, she was a good antagonist for Hawkeye. I like, I love her in Hawkeye, but then when we saw the bigger picture in her relationship with Fisk, I'm like, that's where I want to focus on. I'm pretty sure this will focus on her relationship with with uh, Wilson Fisk and lead into, yeah. and possibly lead to Daredevil. We but, know that we do know that both Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio are in this season. Mm-hmm. Awesome, but I just want Daredevil more. Right, but no, I mean, yeah. like. It, it doesn't, it feels like they're setting it up to fail. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're not going to give it enough time to find an audience. <laughs> the marketing has to be rock solid to get people mm-hmm. to watch a whole season around the holidays when they yeah. drop it. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Especially since what, let me, when is this coming out again? November, November, November 29th. Oh my God. That's doom season. season, baby. That is, yeah. uh, it's tough. Luck. It's tough. Yeah. It's yeah. tough. Uh, it's not a good look. I don't feel like it shows any confidence and it sucks that it's, being done to a character of diversity and yeah. representation yeah. in multitudes of ways. 
Because so, if everything I'm hearing about that show is like it is going to dive more into her, like her her background with like with her with her tribe and stuff, and like I, that's what I hate when like like when they try to do something different, but then the show just turn, unfortunately isn't that good. It's like you try to do something and it didn't work, so like this character is just not going to be around anymore. I'm like, god damn it, I hate it. Echo's so cool. She's a phoenix in the comics right now. I hate that, but she's cool. <clears throat> Why does a human being have the phoenix power? Jason Aaron, get out of here. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, we'll see how that plays out later this year. Yeah. Um, in other Disney news, the Florida campus has been canceled. Uh, we'll back up a bit. This is Disney pulled the plug on an office complex that was scheduled for construction in Orlando at a cost of roughly a billion dollars. It would have brought more than 2000 Disney jobs to the region. Now, this follows remarks from Iger on how anti-business Ron DeSantis has made Florida for Disney, which is very true. Yeah. Um, the project, which was known as the Lake Nona Town Center, was supposed to cost $864 million, but recent price estimates said it was closer to $1.3 billion. Disney had planned to relocate as many as 2,000 employees from Southern California, including most of the department known as Imagineering. Now, this was really important because we talked about this when this was getting discussed because it was happening in the company. And there were people who were queer who were going to be forced to relocate to Florida and yeah. said, hell no, Absolutely. this is awful. It actually led to a walkout uh, on the corporate level at Disney for a day, uh, a one day walkout in protest of this and in support of the LGBTQ community, which caused Bob Chapek to have to deliver a whole response and all kinds of stuff that was happening at the time. So regardless of the Ron DeSantis of this, I'm really glad this decision happened. Um I'm really glad that Iger is not making 2,000 employees relocate. They have said mm -hmm. that some of them already had, uh, and they are going to talk to them about bringing them back and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, because uh, Florida right now is a cesspool. Man, I not to get political, but that Ron the Santos guy, he, I think he might just be a, a devil, a demon. Yeah, in disguise. That guy. Have you seen his fake laugh? Oh my god, he's he's, he's not a, a he's not a human being. He's out there <laughs> preaching genocide. Yeah, yeah. He's a bad man. Sorry, uh, Floridians. Get out if you can. <laughs> really, really glad that they are not moving forward with this and those people are not forced to move. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would hate. I would. God, that would suck so bad. I don't want to yeah. live in Florida. Sorry, Floridians. In uh, more Walt Disney World news, the Galactic Star Cruiser is closing. Um, it's closing at the end of September. The ultra immersive and ultra pricey bow to the Star Wars universe opened to much fanfare in spring 2022. This thing was barely open for a year, uh, mm -hmm. just a little over. Wow. Labeled simply as a business decision and no word on what will be done with the building after its closure. Their quote, this premium boutique experience gave us the opportunity to try new things on a smaller scale of 100 rooms. And as we prepare for its final voyage, we will take what we've learned to create future experiences <laughs> that can reach more of our guests and fans. So we learned from failure. I have talked to my fiance about this because when we first heard about this, the Galactic Star Cruise or even the fact that they were building a Star Wars themed hotel, we all assumed that, okay, cool. It's going to be right on the edge. It's going to be by Galaxy's Edge. It's going to possibly do what DCA does, the Grand California, where you have access into the park. You have access to go straight into Galaxy's Edge, yeah. like a few interactive things here, there. But at the same time, it's another Disney World hotel where you can go to other Disney World parks. And then when it came out what it was... I'm like, I mean, that's cool for the most niche and niche of kids. Like, I'm talking like theater kids, D&D &D players, role players, not your average Star Wars fan. And also the fact that it was like $4,000 to $5,000, $6,000, give or take how many. If it's $5,000 for a weekend. Yeah. For two uh, days. Yeah. 
Uh, and it's funny because people online were like, uh, why didn't they just cut the price to get more people to come in? And somebody was like, they actually had reduced price by 30% like six months ago and it didn't work. And I'm like, well, there you go. They tried and it didn't work. Yeah. Oh, wow. We went from like six, it went from like 8,000 to $6,000, $2,000 yeah, off. Still it's, outrageous. It's, it's simply too much money. It for admittedly for a cool experience. Like it is, they did put effort. Like it is cool oh, yeah, to yeah. see all that shit. And like, you know, <laughs> I remember the advertisement being like, Oh, let's go, let's go kidnap Chewbacca. Let's go <laughs> do something with Chewbacca. I, Stormtrooper. That seemed weird. One more thing. Cause I have heard people talk about it in discourse and one theory uh, to get more people into it kind of makes sense to me. And it's if they, I mean, the obviously the idea of the Galactic Star Cruiser, it's it's out there, it's big. And but if you want the people who have the money, like obviously like the, the Gen Xers or the uh, um the the older crowd, essentially, the people who have the money to burn, the super diehard Star Wars fans, have this set have like the storyline set in the civil in the galactic civil war with stormtroopers with darth vader have like maybe leia and um, han solo do a mission or something because i read somewhere that a lot of the of the people who have the money don't want to do this because they don't like characters like ray and kylo ren they miss their older characters part of me feels that disney did that and they said it during the galactic civil war instead of the um the new war between the first order and the resistance maybe those people would have spent the money i don't know if it would have saved the, the galactic star cruiser but would have saved like out, but it, I'm sure yeah. like it would have helped a little bit, honestly. Yeah. yeah, maybe give another year of operation. Who knows? I don't know. Five thousand for two days is simply too much from a regular. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> if I'm spending five thousand dollars on a hotel, I be I better be there for a week. And also at the Bro, same I time, you're up for that much money. You yeah, that's the thing. Is like <laughs> you can just go on so many other kinds of vacations. Mm -hmm. You could have a better Disney World vacation. Yeah, doing exactly. Else but that for that money yeah it just it's just an unreasonable price and like i i understand some of that's operations but at the same time like some of the some of the visuals that came out of there like you know people have made jokes about the oh, sleeping the, arrangements the andor. Where, like, like the pods look yeah. are less comfortable than the pods look in andor in and i'm prison. like man that's that's a that's yeah. rough not not only that being stuck in a hotel for two days with no natural light with no sun not even knowing what time of day it is i don't know how would feel about that i don't I know if know. i'm just like too used i don't know if i'm just like too used to like being in a hotel room with a giant window and open and waking up every day and being like being able to see outside well to be fair then you are on a spaceship in space true oh so, like true. how much I'm are you really gonna say I'll, I'll, I'll give them that one i'll give them that one uh, yeah i'll yeah and I'll, you do do like you do like a sectional visit to batu so hmm Oh, I didn't know that. That is part of your stay, is you take a shuttle from the ship to Batu. That's cool. Oh, that's cool. That's neat. Not worth five grand. No, nope, not worth five grand. Oh, I get to go to one tiny section of the park of of, of this bigger amusement park that I want to go want to go to. All right. Not to go yeah, wrong. I love go anywhere else. You could not leave Batu. Yeah, that's even yeah. Because if I'm like there, it's like I want to go on rocket roller coasters. It's like nope, can't go. It's like well, this is bullshit. Catch me, trooper um yeah uh it i i wish that like lowering the price would have would have been enough but i i don't think they ever would have lowered it enough to also account for the cost that that was something that more people would have done yeah um certainly not like right away it's the kind of vacation you have to plan for and like even then like it, as cool as it sounds as an experience it's like it just I, i'm not made of that kind of money and yeah. i never and i never would have been to be honest like 
to, to the point where I'm like, yes, this makes more sense than like a week anywhere else in the world. I can literally go to, yeah, to Europe, to Australia for that much money. Like, if the only, I feel like the only way that us would have been able to go to the start, to go like the start cruise is if we won like a radio contest or something. Oh yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like just like win some contest or win some sweepstakes and you get an all expenses paid trip to, um, on the Galactic star cruiser. That would have like, been fine. Cause it would have been added. You wouldn't have to pay for anything. Maybe if you, some taxes here and there, yeah. but this other is, than this that, is, uh, this is like what Jurassic world must've been when it first opened for like the first eight years. Oh yeah. In universe. It so like it must have yeah. been like hell no and then they got to the point where they're like okay okay we gotta like lower it down a little bit we're not getting the numbers yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> how much real quick just ri- how much would you guys pay to go to a dinosaur park uh i would pay galactic star cruiser money yeah if it's dinos- the only chance you can see dinosaurs yeah yeah i do yeah. no yeah that makes sense no i'm no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm asking like i would i would <coughs> i would save up for like my lifetime yeah 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 100 that's a trip yeah. you, you save up for. hopefully it's not up. the day that jurassic world happens right that's, <laughs> that's so like but like i can see where the price thing is is the same was my point but like there's no, yeah, such yeah. fundamentally different experiences yeah i'm just trying to think like like yeah if you told me a like one day trip to jurassic park is like 14.99 i'd be like that's totally reasonable yeah, fifteen hundred bucks to see dinosaurs. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah, I, I'd spend five grand on a dinosaur vacation. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Disney Plus and Hulu are removing titles from their services. We talked about Zazlaw. this last week, and I was optimistic. I was wrong. Um, this story has been developing over the week with the list growing and some and titles shrinking. being removed from the list due to, we suspect, though it's not confirmed, public backlash. Yes. Uh, the titles that are on the list will go away May 26th with absolutely no guarantee of ever being seen again uh, at this moment. The list has about 50 titles on it now, and it includes The World According to Jeff Goldblum, Mighty Ducks Game Changers, The Mysterious Benedict Society, Stargirl and Hollywood Stargirl, The Cheaper by the Dozen Remake, The Princess, Timmy Failure, Most Wanted Sharks, Why the Last Man, and Willow. Willow, which came out like six months ago? Yes. And they advertised the shit out of, is now going to never be able to be potentially seen again. And a very, very queer positive story being gotten rid of right before June, which is also came up real quick. I'll I'll do this, then we'll just have a discussion about it. Notable titles that have been saved from removal, but were initially put on the list at some point this week are Howard, uh, a documentary about famous Little Mermaid lyricist Howard Ashman, who was a gay man. And that got a huge amount of backlash with the Little Mermaid movie about to come out and Pride Month right around the corner. They were like, how can you possibly remove this? Um, A Spark Story, Marvel Empower, which is the recent uh, women-focused series, and Marvel Voices Rising, the music of Wakanda Forever, which frankly shocked me it was even on the list to begin with. Um, (laughs) I know it's not all of them, but it's just, it's... You're like you're reading like a lot of like the diverse names and diverse the crew. I'm just like, did they not even see that you're doing this? Like it's it's like, oh, I can't. It's so dumb. Uh, yeah. So this is super shitty. Um, people are still fighting and championing very hard. Specifically, Willow. That's what I see the most is people are fighting to save Willow right now. Um, I learned today that there's people online who really like the princess. Yes, I did too. Scott Thomas from the Infinity yeah, Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think that movie's a great action movie, and that's it. Yeah. But 
um, there is a great blog post from the screenwriter. And he's like, hey, I wrote a movie that doesn't exist anymore. Let me talk about it. Right. Um, and it was heartbreaking. He's like, I spent 10 years <coughs> trying to get into the industry. I wrote the princess script like seven years ago. It took seven years to get made. And, you know, I really ha I'm really happy with the movie. Again, like, I, I don't think it's great, but it's a great action movie. Uh, but the dude wrote that script. And now a year later, he it's not going to exist anymore. And like being an artist, like I can't even imagine like it's not like, oh, like my movie, people didn't like it. And it's going away. Like, no, it's being removed to be seen. Yeah, that's that's devastating. Um, Brandon's not here. Uh, I'll tell you that he's very, very upset that I, I'm I'm not selling it hard enough. Brandon would be having a meltdown here talking about how upset he is that Willow's being taken off the service. Um, mm -hmm. And he's not wrong. Um, this this is shitty. This is shitty, especially given the timing, um, not just like some of these diversity things right around the corner of Pride Month, things that represent queer um, characters and people, but also the strike is happening. The strike is about residuals and the strike is about AI content. And the only reason for removing this content is residual pay. Yes. It's the only reason people have talked about, which already isn't what they're asking for. It's, it's already low residual pay and they are removing it to not pay the residuals. That's the only reason to do it. That's the only advantage that anyone can see in doing this. Yep. So it's so shitty to do this while the strike is happening it doesn't look good. Like, I don't know. You're not winning anybody over to your side. The, the, the average consumer is sitting there if they are paying any kind of attention to this and looking at it and going, they're right to fight you. This should not happen. Yeah. Um, and Zaslav did set this uh, dynamite keg on, on fire. He kicked the domino but over. Here we are. I'm shocked that Iger is letting this happen. I'm shocked that this is the move Disney is playing yeah. at this current time in the strike. Uh, it's not going to win them any... Uh, Oh, any patronage or kindness. No. Um, and the other thing is like, none of the decisions they make are going to increase profits or, or subscribers or anything like that. Um, it's only going to lose further trust with the consumer. Someone pointed out really well that like this coming back around with, with now the Disney plus stuff, but like the stuff that was happening with Warner and everything has proven that like streaming services shouldn't be treated as networks anymore, but libraries. Um, yeah, and, yeah. and the fact that like they continue to operate, like they think they should be networks is one of the things hurting the streamers. The power of being a library is so useful because if people, if the consumer has the trust that like everything I'd ever want from you is right here, they're more likely to keep it. Absolutely. Yeah. But they're losing that faith quick and piracy is highly encouraged here on the fake nerd podcast. Absolutely. Go sail those high seas, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. and again, like I, Disney wouldn't have been the first company to do it, but now that other companies are doing it, they're like, oh, we can <coughs> we can do that too. Willow is Willow is so flagrant. Like a lot of these are uh, not all, but a good chunk of these are are a little older. Yeah. But like Willow is like brand new. Wow, you really like to, to like to take Lucasfilm doesn't do a lot. No. Like to take one of Lucasfilm's things they made for Disney Plus and say, no. Yeah. Not showing it anymore. Gone 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 wild really just honestly an insane move um i'm shocked is that original movie still gonna be on the service that's yeah. a great question I'm ben. Sure, I'm at this time it seems so because unfortunately like I, I bet more people watch that original movie than this new tv show because that's a classic 80s movie that people love right like yeah this is like uh, there is no like positive <laughs> good, look, good look around this it's like this is going to continue to happen and we can only 
voice our frustration and anger with it uh, as much as Hollywood people are too. Again, like Brian Cranston, if you follow him on Instagram. Oh man, that was so I, sad. I didn't watch the movie he was in, but he's in like in a monkey movie. The one and only Ivan. The one and only Ivan. It's about like like a, like a true story. And he's like, hey guys, I made this really sweet family movie about this monkey. And like- It's based off a true story. It's based off a true story. And like, I love it. And like, it's going away and I'm really proud of it. And like, just sit down with your family and watch it before it leaves. I'm really, I really love it. And it's like, I'm seeing so many artists like sad that this is happening. And I'm like, I just, it's, it's happening everywhere. Part of the, part of the problem I think is that like, while they played cheeky with the term, as we talked about last week about the Disney vault uh, style, oh, yeah. um, they haven't said that's what they're doing. So there's no word on like these things coming back around. This ain't it a just vault. sounds like they're disappearing this forever. Is a, this is a pit. This isn't a vault. As, as far as it seems right now, they're disappearing forever unless essentially they can win the strike, I suspect, and not have to pay the residuals yeah. that they should. Um, and again, because like a lot of these Netflix or Hulu thing, like originals, like they don't have uh, a physical media. So like the princess, like if you like it or not, but like the princess will just not exist anymore. Right. Unless you're a pirate. And it's just like, that's that's such a shitty, shitty thing to live to live in, man. Like, again, like as, as somebody like, we're all creative people here. And it's like the idea that somebody can just take away the thing you made and there's nothing you can do about it. Every, it, it breaks my heart, dude. Every single one of these projects was somebody involves first. Yeah. And it's going away. It's really, really awful. It's just really awful that this is the situation we're in. Um, I would like to believe that um, that this will get reversed eventually. That yeah. this is part of what the strikes are for. Uh, and that content will hopefully have to be reinstated because they're striking for it and will retroactively put these things back into operation. Yeah, you can only hope. Um, I hope so. I hope that's the way it goes because this is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Really, the biggest thing I want to say is get fucked to David Zaslav. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> that, 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 because if you didn't watch the video of him getting booed at Boston, you go watch it. <laughs> I, I will. I will. I want. I kind of wish I was a Boston University student just so I could be a part of that. I don't care if I would get removed by uni by campus security, but nobody did. It was too the, many people. <laughs> the second we heard that he was going to take stuff off HBO Max, this I mean, this was the linchpin. Netflix has never done this before because it's like, hey, we make our own we make our own shows. Quality is is question is like up in the air concerning her. But they said when they started making original content, this will never go away. This we right. this is ours. It will be on the service. It's not going to go away. It's going to be there whether you love it or hate it. It's just going to be there. You cannot watch it. Whatever. And then like with the max that I will say this until the day i die probably the whole purpose of having your streaming service and your own original content is so that original content doesn't go anywhere and if you're someone like disney who puts all their proprietary stuff on the services that they own hulu espn included that should have a home well yeah. while they might not get physical releases anymore it has a home on disney plus it yeah. should always be that it's not like netflix where they have licenses where they have stuff where stuff goes in and out or whatever it has a home there and with disney being the biggest name in entertainment the fact that they're saying hey some of these originals that a lot of people love because i really enjoyed willow i thought willow was awesome i had a fantastic time with that show i want a season two that story's not over yet and the fact that they're just gonna brush it under the rug and then possibly keep the original 1980s something movie there is an absolute fucking disgrace yeah yeah if I, you are i don't care how i, I they'd be like how much honestly 
someone, please, I am asking the ether out there, someone <laughs> come to me and tell me how much storage that show takes up on a server. How much money does it truly cost to yeah. keep to have that much space on a server? That's not the problem. That's not, we know that's not the problem. The problem is paying residuals for the artists who did the work and that they don't want to do it if they don't feel like they have to. They will say, I don't know if Disney said it, but like, I know like, like, oh, like, like keeping these things, like it, it costs money to keep them on thing. If, they're, if there's something that's not watched a lot, then they'll learn <coughs> it. But again, it's the library. They're not thing. saying like, that. That's not. They're not saying that because I think they know that they get called on it. Yeah. So like, they're not saying that right now. Everyone knows it's the residuals. Yeah. Everyone knows. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows. It's, and it's like, cool. I am, I am not, I am not like you guys. I am, I'm not anti-physical, but it's like, I, I live in the 21st century. I don't need to buy physical media. Up until now, Netflix, Disney, like they were the place. Oh, you make a Disney thing. It's on Disney. It's going to be there forever. I've never had to worry about that because I didn't think you would live in a world where this is possible, where they will just take art away from you for no good reason. Uh, well, if, if for a bad reason, uh, they don't want to pay the people. But like, I am now, I am now in a place where like, I can never watch Willow because like it's not on physical release. No. Right? Like I'm not going to watch it in the next week. But like even, that's a that's an incredibly shitty thing. Uh and it's I don't know. I'm sure Disney it'll it'll fix itself but I don't know about the other companies, man. Yeah, and even right you were saying that with Netflix sometimes they would release their stuff on physical. I remember seeing at Target when Stranger Things season 2 came out, yeah. they had like a worn VHS tape and part of and it also had special features. It had behind the scenes documentary stuff. And also part of me thought of like, well, if like your internet goes down, you can't watch Netflix, but you still have like just the internet goes down, but you still have power in the house, pop it in a DVD. There you go, problem solved. Yeah. Um but at the same time, the fact that Disney's taking away their originals shows that, yeah, this, this is this is absolute bullshit. Um, f fuck David Zaslav, who he's the guy who started this all. He's the one who pretty much said we can do this. But at the same time, taking away amazing shows that people love, and now just like yo ho yo ho, a pirate's life for me. It it remains one of those things where that idea of, um eternal growth <clears throat> it's not real you can't keep growing forever at a certain point you just have to accept good stability yeah and reliable profitable stability and as long as corporate greed stays high uh it's going to take an actual pushback which is like you know that's what the strikes are for that's it's going to take it all falling apart for them to go like oh we can't just keep expecting everlasting growth it doesn't work yeah. that way at a certain point you cap out yeah i mean and there's like, hmm. the, and, and like the, not to belabor, belabor it long but like this like mighty ducks game changers and willow like those are like those are like brand new big things <coughs> like i i don't know like again this is not me like defending like taking like smaller things off like i understand a little more but like willow is a, like a big thing and like again i know you don't want to pay your people but like let people at least have a chance to watch the show you just made. Well, I think also yeah. like the shitty part of it is that, you know, it's, it's not wanting to pay them what they're owed. That's true. But it's also like, they're not, they're, they're cutting it so they don't have to pay them so they can change the numbers around so it can look like they profited this year. Ah, uh, sure. That's also why there's 7,000 layoffs happening in the Disney company. That's yeah. like all of these things are happening so Cost that when cutting. they get to the, to the full rung of the year and they look at it next year, they can be like, wow, look at how much money we made by getting rid of things like not by actual profit making yeah. because it just has to make the numbers look good it's almost like like fake it's like, <laughs> it's like fake fake money it is yeah. money's fake well the yeah, whole thing's fake yeah yeah of course 
Uh, Our society is stupid. It's true. Um, it's true. Barter system. Let's bring it back. Uh, yeah, this is awful. Um, I do hope that these things can be salvaged in the long run by the contracts that will have to be drawn up when the strikes uh, bring about their final negotiations. Because I don't think, if anything, this has only emboldened the writers. And it might have emboldened the actors, too. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the directors. And like when we hit that point, the whole entertainment industry just stalls. So hey, we're going to have to move. Patty Jenkins was hanging out with Chris Pine on the line and she's a director. So like, I think, I think, I think all the good people who need to be on the right side are on the right side. Luckily. Will they win? Who, who, who knows how long it'll take? The alternative, if they hold fast and they've got them, the alternative is no more entertainment. And like the studios don't want that. Yeah. They need, so they need to make money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eventually contracts will have to get negotiated. It's a hard fight. It's going to be a long fight. I feel for the writers who are going through it. It's yeah. not a good time, but they're doing the right thing. Yeah. They're fighting for the future of this industry and for their livelihood and the livelihood of those who will come after them. And again, like it is, it is nice to see that, uh, Despite you know everybody being involved in the movie being important, like unfortunately, like the writers are some of like the the like least important in terms of like what people think of it being important. But like the writers are are the foundation of a movie. They're the core. They're the core. Like like people don't realize that like once you write a script, like the writers just not done. Like they are still part of that movie. Like they help. They do rewrites. They're still involved with it to make sure that the vision is still there. Um, it's one of the reasons why uh, when we talk about like you know we're praising a movie and we'll be like yeah the director did and I'm like well the writer yeah. The writer here too. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. So it all starts with that script. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, in closing, on that, friends, watch Willow this week. Uh, watch the fake nerds. Watch discussion between Brandon and Ben about Willow, and pirate it if you can't finish it this <laughs> yeah. week. Uh, that's my. They don't give you any that's other my choice. Seal of approval because they don't care. Yeah. And uh, that's the best way for you to enjoy art. Apparently. Yo ho, yo ho. All right, friends. It's time for the trailer talk. <gasps> trailer park time. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, the new Martin Scorsese film. Ooh, ben, I want to hear what you thought about this sad looking movie. Looks sad. That's for sure. <laughs> now, do you mean to tell me that the white man might have been bad at one point? Spoiler alert, white man be bad. Um, hey, how, what's that one quote from Pocahontas <laughs> I always talk about? These white men are dangerous. World history. One sentence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, Martin yeah. Martin Scorsese, uh, uh, the king of cinema himself. Uh, y'all, I'll be honest. Uh, this trailer floored me in a way I wasn't expecting. Um, I a, a real quick story. Growing up as a teenager, uh, I love movies. I grew up loving movies. I moved to California to be a film director. You know, film was my first love before like comics and video games. Stuff. It was film, right? And as a teenager, I was a weird teenager. Uh, my favorite movie when I was fourteen was Kramer versus Kramer, which is a nineteen seventies divorce drama starring Meryl Streep and Dennis Hopper. Uh, Dennis, uh, Dennis uh, uh, <coughs> Hoffman. Dennis Hoffman. Thank you. Um, yeah, like I loved like sad dramas and Martin Scorsese was a guy I was obsessed with in my teenage years trying to be a big film student. And then I grew up and become a bigger nerd than a film lover. Right. I'm still a film lover, but like seeing this movie and seeing that Mr. Scorsese has still been making these bangers after bangers. And I just haven't been watching them for whatever reason. Like this movie looks so good and it's so expensive and it's about like real shit. And it looks like he put his whole ass into it. And like, I love it. I love Leo. I love the whole cast. Um, uh, this had, because uh, uh, it's premiered at Cannes, um, Cannes, Cannes, uh, this has, um, it has uh, uh, help from uh, indigenous tribes, like, like helping with it. And like one of the chiefs of a tribe was at Cannes to help with talk with Martin Scorsese about it. Like this is a full movie with like full 
uh, uh, research and history and like real representation uh, about what happens when white men find oil on Native American soil. It's not good. It's really sad. But it's it is a story that needs to be told, especially when it's about like, hey, I'm trying to be a good person in this scenario, like like Leo DiCaprio. Like, how do I navigate this really shitty thing that I'm trying to help this lady go through? Right. Um, it just looks incredible, like incredible filmmaking. Uh, I'm just well, so it's again not our normal wheelhouse, but like I just think it looks incredible. It's very impressive. I, it looks. So I will good. say the best shot in the whole trailer was the last one, and you just hear Leonardo DiCaprio tell me, "Can you find? Can you tell me?" how many wolves are in this picture it's just a bunch of the 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 businessmen the the the, all all, you know the high society types a bunch of white people yeah a bunch of white people i'm just like oh i know what you're talking about there's a movie um uh there will be blood uh which is about uh, daniel plainview opening up an oil refinery in like texas in like the early 1900s and that movie is also really sad and crazy uh about what oil will do to people and this is like yo what if like we were like way more real about it and i was like real shit that actually happened i'm like all right i'll watch it this yeah. looks really good martin you got me back uh i i echo everything you said i think you said it very well so i'm not really gonna i, I think it looks great hell yeah um, i would love to watch it absolutely uh, three hours and like 40 minutes yeah so get ready it's a long one yeah it's like 216 minutes. Movies are back. Uh, Nimona. Um, this Ooh. is a new animated film coming to Netflix. Uh, just a small teaser here. Um, but this is one I've been hearing a lot of buzz about in the animation uh, sphere. So um, I think this looks really cool. This was, I, it was like 2D. It was a girl drawing. It was a girl drawing for half of it. And then you see her and then it's like this flashy in motion like and she's stylized like 3d animation. turning into things yes she's a shapeshifter yeah, yeah yeah looks i didn't i need to see more but it is intriguing the second half i think the animation like when she's shapeshifting to the armadillo from the whale yeah yeah coming down uh the hill and then it <coughs> back into herself looks really smooth yeah i really like it i do too yeah honestly cool. the trailer had me when it went from the drawing it's like her drawing stuff to her with her eyes go just bright red and her dragon wings flap up i'm like okay i'm in I'm there's the, something got me. there's something in a similar energy to arcane in this animation oh sure and that's drawing me to it it's not exactly the same but there's there's some vibe here that's that's hitting the same kind of marks yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm really interested to see where that goes just a teaser we'll get more soon um mortal kombat one <sighs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> y'all i lost my mind with this trailer unfortunately here at the Faker Podcast, we're not all caught up on the Mortal Kombat franchise, so you didn't get to experience, you don't, well, you didn't get to see how it happened, but you get to see that Liu Kang is now the Raiden of the universe. He is Fire God Liu Kang. He has, through the ends of Mortal Kombat, the last game, rewritten history to go back to the dawn of time uh, to start everything over again, a fresh, clean slate. Only makes me want to do it more. Oh my god. Uh, the thing about this trailer that's so cool is, uh, besides every Mortal Kombat trailer, uh, the first cinematic trailer is always great <coughs> and always gives you um, insight into what the game is without actually having gameplay. The thing that's so exciting about this one is they've made so much emphasis on choice and things being different than they used to be. Mm-hmm. So people are hardcore speculating that this is going to be a lot. There's going to be a little more choice and almost RPG elements in this story mode. Whereas you see like, oh, are you gonna be brother? Are you gonna be foe? Maybe this is a choice driven game where instead of Sub-Zero and Scorpion being allies, they can be enemies or vice versa, where there's dividing timelines to like different things. This is all about crazy time stuff happening. 
Because we see uh, we see Katana and we see Melina and we see Shang Sun. Spoiler alert: a lot of those characters are dead. They're not. They shouldn't be around. So why did Liu Kang bring all everyone back <coughs> when he could have started fresh? Like he didn't have to bring back <coughs> the worst supervillain of all time in Shang Sun who kills people and steals their souls. He didn't need to bring him back, but he did. So the thing of like potentially like I'm giving you a choice to be a different person. And then they're still going about them being evil is so exciting to me. And also, this is one of the most like violent things I've seen in my entire life. <laughs> that final, that final Liu Kang uh, dragon attack, where he pushes his skull down into the ground, and like it's insane. It looks so crazy. He's gonna squish his skull. He's gonna squish his skull. <laughs> I love the sound that the, that's that. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, uh, I'm so thrilled. This looks so good. Uh, I cannot wait for our foot, our first like gameplay because like. It's gonna look insane. Pure next gen Mortal Kombat. It's gonna look fire. Yep. Ben, any further thoughts? Not really. I just like I, I at first I was like, why is it called Mortal Kombat One? It should be called Mortal Kombat Twelve. And then after Ryan said, it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense now. Did you see the teaser of the clock going from nine, ten, eleven, and skips yeah, yeah, twelve yeah. and goes to one? Yeah, I saw that. Spoiler alert, uh, Luke King rewinded. We're going, we're going back to the beginning, baby. <laughs> going back to the, to the, to the... Like a thousand years ago to the original um, um, hat guy, Kung Lao, the, the original great Kung Lao, that timeline. Oof. Um, couldn't, be, couldn't be more excited for a video game. Yeah, this I'm is going to be a lot of fun. Um, it makes me want to get us back on our Mortal Kombat bullshit very quickly. We got it. So we can get to this. I'm jonesing. Um, maybe this back half of the year is going to be very Mortal Kombat heavy. Very violent. We have a... We have the last piece of our, our previous playthrough for Mortal Kombat 10 to get out. And then we have all of Mortal Kombat 11. And we have two Mortal Kombat animated films to go through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, friends. Uh, the creator. This actually looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it does. This looks really cool. Um, If you told me that Neil Blomkamp directed this movie, I'd believe you. Sure. <laughs> but it's not. Uh, it's Gareth Edwards who mm -hmm. did Godzilla and Rogue One. He hasn't yep. made a movie in a long, long time. Uh, this looks insanely expensive and original, and I can't believe it's real, if mm -hmm. I'm being honest. I think this movie looks incredible, uh, and the fact that it is a an original story about the, the rise of AI uh, before the rise of AI was a big talking point in Hollywood, uh, it feels like prescient. It feels like, wow, this comes out, comes out the exact time it needs to come out. It's also big and explosive, and it looks like Star Wars, but original. Like, I, this looks like a like a dream come true. Like, all I want are giant, expensive, original sci-fi movies. But when they come out, nobody sees them and they bomb. So, like, this looks great. This looks it great. Does. Yeah, I think there's a lot of really cool, unique ideas on display here, and I think there's a. Uh, it feels like the trailer is saying there's a cool question about you know, morality, morality sentience yeah. and, yeah. and AI right at the heart of it. And AI only... last of us. Yeah. Um, also it gives you like, Hey, maybe the humans aren't always the good guys. Uh, it gives you the vibes of like, you know, the question of who's the monster, who was the man. Yeah. And then, and it's like, Oh no, we're the monsters. They're the good people and all that stuff. It's just like, Oh, oh let's give you the feels. Well, also yeah, it's like a... great sci-fi action pieces. It's kind of like Terminator, you know, Skynet took over, but like instead of destroying the entire world, it just kind of like took the world over in a way. Uh, yeah. Have to fight back their resistance. That's yeah. Like it's like you know, I mean, I'm very into it. <laughs> very into it. Mm -hmm. Um, Haunted Mansion, a brand new trailer for Haunted Mansion came out. Uh, we see a lot more of 
the ghouls and the house and stuff. And Any... Jed Leto as the the as the, the guy. Mm, yep. Oh, yes, he's the hatbox ghost. Like hatbox ghost. Hatbox ghost. Yeah. Uh, damn it. Besides that, like I didn't even <clears throat> honestly didn't know. I didn't couldn't tell it was him until yeah. I knew he was in it. So like right. he's not probably gonna bother me. I think this looks really charming. I like you know I I like the ride fine, but like the cast I love. Yeah, I love. It's funny because Owen Wilson, he was in a he was in a haunted a haunted movie like twenty years ago, and he's back doing it again, and I love it. Um, I think this looks really good. I love the cast. Tiffany Haddish is great. Lakeith Stanfield. I'm, I'm all about it. I'm I am definitely one of those high mansion uh, fanboys. I absolutely love the ride at Disneyland. It's one of my favorite attractions. It's every time I go to Disneyland, I have to ride the haunted mansion or do something around the mansion. Um, it, to me, it's just one of those things where it's not a complete day to Disneyland if I don't write Haunted. Sure. Um, the film looks great. It definitely is upping like it, the scary bit of it. And even with um, it's taking the classic scenes from the ride, like the endless hallway, but it's twisting it. I think the ghosts look great. Seeing Constance in the mirror when she throws the axe is terrifying. But I do really... Oh, sorry, Ben. Go ahead. No, but also you get those funny moments too, like when they're when Dane DeVito and the other main character, whose name I do not know, they're talking to the guy who plays Sloane in uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, and he's oh, doing yeah. and he sketches the Hatbox Ghost, and he's like, "Whoa!" And you That's still fair. get that that Disney humor of it while it's still being about a, an insanely scary and creepy place. Um, I really like that shot. Uh, that you mentioned where the Holloway twists and they slip under. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I think that shot looks really good. I will say that in Disney live action fashion, I feel like the lighting's a bit flat oh, and I yes. wish it were more dynamic, especially for this movie. Um, but the spirits look cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really appreciate that. And that's mainly my big knock against it is the lighting, but otherwise it, it seems promising. I'm hoping for something really cool. I really like when ghosts do like absurd shit, mm -hmm. like um, create an entire ocean outside of the door yes. of a bedroom. Um, I really love that kind of thing where like they really mess with the reality you think, you know, so I'm hoping there's a lot of that kind of fun to be yeah. had. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. All right. If this can be like a, you ever see 13 ghosts. <clears throat> yeah. If it could be like a PG 13 ghosts. Yeah. I like that. A PG 13, 13 ghosts. PG 13. Oh, is it PG 13? No, I'm saying if it could be a PG-13-13 ghost. Oh. <laughs> it might be. I don't know. Um, Five Nights at Freddy's. Ben. Boy, I wonder what other games we're going to be playing this year in anticipation <laughs> of this movie. Oddly enough, I'm actually really excited for this movie. Of course you <laughs> yeah, are. Why yeah. wouldn't you be? It's, I, be I, fun I, time. it's, it's Five Nights at... Oh, God. You better run, PETA. That's all I better say. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad Josh Hutcherson is the main guy yeah. in it. There's a lot of really interesting, like outside of the the Fazbear restaurant, yeah, shots that have me really interested in what the story's going to play out like. Um, so much lore. There is yeah. there is there are bibles of lore sure. for Five Nights at Freddy's about like right. the evil Ma Matthew Lillard killing kids, putting him in in suits and stuff. Like, there's a whole backstory. Mm -hmm. stuff. I, um, I swear the the game theorists have like the game theorists dove into the lore of Five Nights at Freddy's so much. I can only imagine that his videos are going to take another spike up before the movie comes out because people are oh, trying yeah. to figure out what the lore is, like the, the infamous bite of 87, who the purple man is, and mm -hmm. all this other stuff. But, I mean, hats off to the Henson, the Henson Company for those animatronics and those creepy-ass red eyes. 
I mean, now, I know this is just this is just a trailer. I understand this is just a trailer yeah. or a, a <laughs> teaser trailer. We don't have like a full on story trailer, but it, uh, scary. I shit. will say something. Uh, I don't care about this whatsoever. But the the Five Nights at Freddy's freaks online, they're all like, they may shouldn't they shouldn't have red eyes. They why do they have red eyes? Like, shut, who cares? It's so they can tell that they're scary. Right. I don't think it's that big yeah. of a deal. I, don't think I, I did see a, some people being like, they shouldn't have red eyes. That's not like the I'm like, y'all, now we're going a little too. Like, mm -hmm. it's okay. They're meant to look scary. They look scary. It's fine. It's okay. Yeah, in, a couple, in a couple of shots, they look a little CGI-y to do. me. They do. Um, so I'm hoping we get a better look at them in another trailer. Yeah. Um, That's coming I'm, out October 27th. I'm optimistic for it. Halloween, baby. Yeah. And pff, if Horror Nights doesn't have a maze for it this year, I'm going to be upset. If not this year, then absolutely next year. Like, there's absolutely no way they can't capitalize. Next, yeah, they, prob they probably, because if my memory serves, they do do mazes for big films the following year. But I really feel that this is a missed opportunity for them to have, like, a, a Freddy Fazbear or a Five Nights at Freddy's maze this year for Horror Nights to help promote the film. And just to, like, and then, like, have you exit, go see Five Nights at Freddy's. It'll, it'll just, like, that would be, like, the, the that would be awesome. It would be pretty sick to like have like the maze be the, the pizzeria. Mm -hmm. And, like, and then you have like the animatronics just come up and try to chase you or you're walking in here like the, the like Foxy just like running through and then going. Ah, and I, yeah. back in I can see that maze absolutely working. working. Oh, hell yeah. Universal, hire me. I'll help you with that. <laughs> Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Oh, the movies. I love the movies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like th this movie looks like it has parts of part two in it because it looks like it's so full of so much there's so much action in this yeah, trailer yeah. and it is a lot of the same stuff from the first Dead Reckoning trailer we got but like just extended of it and I'm like this movie's just one big Feels action packed. scene it's one big action yeah. scene it's two and a half hours of action Um, I so much shit is happening Uh, we're looping back around to Mission Impossible 1 stuff like Kitchers is coming around so like I am I'm just so excited uh uh this feels like every mission impossible feels more and more like metal gear i swear to god um this trailer just like reeks of metal gear and i was like i just like ethan hunt is the man what a cool and again this franchise we're gonna do all of them soon but like it's had such a fun trajectory of like <coughs> you know those first movies come out and they were good then three really launched it up a little bit uh because uh jj abrams and then mccrory came in and just blew the socks off everyone for like four straight movies like what a great franchise i'm so excited oh my god I yeah. totally forgot to see this one. It's okay. It's well, it's the, okay it's, then it's because awesome. you haven't seen them yet and yeah. you're about to. Elsa um, Faust is one of the coolest characters ever. <coughs> she, Rebecca Ferguson is just, she's, 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 a, she's a dream. She's a dream. I remember Philip Seymour Hoffman being really good in three. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to hurt her. I'm uh, going to hurt her real bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that it looks really good. Very full of a lot of stuff. I uh, must, I, I don't know what the story is. And honestly, like it's, I'm not, I, it's not really the thing. It's like, Oh, there's a MacGuffin. You got to save the world. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, I do like, you know, uh, Ethan, sometimes this mission has to be more important than our lives. Oh, I can't accept that. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. Yeah. I do. Um, we'll see. Can't this mission might just be impossible. Oh no. Part two. Dun, find out dun, if it's possible. Dun, dun, All right, friends. Dun, dun. It is time to move into our Fast X discussion. So let's get to our main topic.
Dex. All right, friends. We are here, and it's time for our discussion of Fast X, the latest in the Fast and Furious franchise, because... I got family. I got family. family. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, We are going to be talking full discussion, full spoilers, all that jazz as we review the latest uh, Fast X, which we all saw today. Um, Let's get some initial thoughts. Benjamino. I had a fun time. I was definitely say I had fun. Um, yeah, we were talking about this after the movie that the, the earnestness went out the window after Paul Walker passed away. But the fact that these the set pieces and the car action just keeps getting better and better and better with each one. Because I'm I'm here for the cars. I'm here for the racing. I'm here for the the high octane batshit craziness. And I will say out of all the characters, um, Jason Momoa is definitely becoming my, like my favorite villain in the fast franchise. He eats up so much scenery. He is so eccentric. He is like that type of (coughs) absolute crazy bad. He's like that crazy bad boy that, in other films, you would like write off as like, oh, he's just the eccentric one. He's going to die. He's like the second to last one to die. But the fact that he's like the main mastermind and he shows off how truly dangerous he is, is, I mean, he's to me, he's a standout of the entire film. Just every time he was on screen, I'm like, I was kind of giddy. I was like, what's going to happen next? How is he going to F up Dom's life now? So, yeah, I would definitely say it's a fun time. Um, action's great. Other than that, I don't have a whole lot else to say. <laughs> sure. Sure. Initial, yeah. Uh, I had a great time. You know, 10, 10 movies in, 11 if you count Hobbs and Shaw. Um, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm never expecting high art with these movies. I just want to be entertained. And I was entertained. I had a great time. Uh, um, you know, I, I like what they did by separating the characters and putting them in like in little different groups so they can all like, you know, focus on what they're good at and doing stuff like that. Um, the script is fine. You know, again, the script is never, the script is never, the strong point i don't think of these movies but like the action and specifically um louis louis leterrier coming in uh not only coming in to direct this movie after justin left in mid-production this director had two days of pre-production before jumping into this movie and making this entire movie so the fact that this movie came out as well as as good as it did is a testament to how good of a director this guy is he's able he was able to wrangle all the shit together and make it make sense um and i think this has some of the best action like that that um that bomb sequence, uh, oh. the, the reverse, the reverse, reverse vault, yeah. is insane. Like, and that's mm-hmm. mostly physical. Like, I watch behind the scenes of that shit. Like, that a lot of that is real, and it looks incredible. Um, I like, you know, I'm sure I have complaints, but like with a movie like this, I I, I don't really care if I'm being honest. It's was I did I have fun, and I did. I had fun. Yeah. Um. I also had a really good time. Um. I think that the fast franchise still pops for me with uh you know it, i feel like it's it's what the expendables kind of wishes it was good. in a lot yes, of ways to me 100%. at this point which is like you kind of get in for your good time and you know like the majority of characters are going to make it out of it uh regardless of how you know we'll talk about how this movie ends up with some of them um and you're you're just kind of in it for like the the fun of it and the thrill of it and seeing these stars like go head to head against each other and like boy the star power in this movie is insane um and it's only been ramping up with every movie getting people involved and so bringing bomoa to the table and having him just deliver this 
absolutely killer performance as a villain. Unhinged. Um, oh yeah. You know, it, it's it probably would have been fine, um, and like about as fine I'd say probably as F eight if it weren't Jason Momoa. But Jason Momoa knocks it that notch up so that everything feels like it has a new energy to it and it feels revitalized. Um, and I really really enjoyed it. Yeah. And we'll get into the specifics of that and everything uh, right now. I think. Um, now knowing that Momoa will be our villain for the next movie too, uh, I'm so excited because he is such <coughs> like Ben. You said like he is he is so good in this movie. He is such a force. Every time he is on screen, I'm I'm happy because he's just like it's just like Justin. Jason Momoa just showed up to set. He's like I'm just gonna have fun. I'm yeah. just gonna I'm just gonna giggle and goof off and call people buttholes. Like it's like, he's just he is the most fun villain we've had in the FF franchise for sure. Um, yeah. And like his motivation, totally, totally love it. You know, we all revenge for family, totally in line with the franchise. I get it. Um, like he's just he's just diabolical. I think he just I, wants revenge. Yeah, what I also love is that when you first meet him in the movie, he's very reserved. Like yes. you don't like what obviously like when he's there with his dad, he's on his best behavior. He's like, I'll kill him. And then his dad says, Don't take kill someone when suffering is owed. And you know, he's like, Okay, yeah, obviously drug lord mob boss he's like and he's working with the brazilian police obviously corruption's there all this stuff happened from fast five fast five yes. right? yeah like the Ten stuff five happened and it's just like this is some all right this is <coughs> and then when the next time we see him like when you first meet cypher it feels like i'm meeting a completely different character for the first time like someone who who truly has flew over the cuckoo's nest and is just ready to be like i like his whole scene when he's talking to cypher and he's like oh i wasn't talking to you i was talking to him to him and saying zeke oh. michael yeah the henchmen by their names and he's like kevin kevin's dad yeah. and the phones pop up with their family's duct tape and it's just oh and even just how like going ahead in the movie when in the vatican i mean i love the way it's like blow up like no one's saying it was like what shall we blow up what the vatican well, okay, but you're going to hell. Bob, you're crazy. <laughs> Even when he's walking down to go to the motorcycle, to his Harley, he goes, don't go anywhere. Remember, I still have your families. He just says it so nonchalantly. It's just like, holy shit, this guy is bad. Got nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah that's, lose. that's the thing is that he feels, man, The I think the number one thing for me about like what makes him so great is defined by the moment when they're on the bridge and Dom is punching him and he's laughing. Oh yeah. And uh and goblin that, mode. That that really tells you like man, he's just like it doesn't matter. He's just here to really wreck it. And uh and that energy really really works in this franchise at this point. Mm -hmm. Just to have someone who I believe uh obsessed over dom for a decade to the point where he's a little bit a fan of him too oh yeah mm -hmm. and like that's true like i believe that he's a fan of what dom's done and dom's family and all that like he's kind of impressed and like every time he does something he's kind of like damn he's good yeah it's really he cool he's like him a, multiple times yeah but but he's also like but i also just want to like totally ruin your life yeah <laughs> um, I, I also like because you know again we're up to fast 10 now like I don't know. I mean, I read comic books every day, so like it doesn't matter. But like, how many end of the world scenarios I need the fast guys to save? Like, I like you know God's eye and you know like satellites that destroy the world, all this stuff like Hobbs and Saw shit. Like, this guy just wants to kill you because you killed his dad, and that's right. like that. That is the crux of the final stage of the saga. 
it's about family. I know it's, it's like, it's silly, but like, that's what the whole franchise is. But I like that it's not, oh my God, we got to stop him from destroying the universe. It's just like, he just wants to mess you up and he'll do it any way he can. Um, right. he, it's just, he's just an unhinged bad guy. And that's sometimes that's, mm-hmm. that's the best. That's just the most fun. I do. I, I do. I do like just real quick bouncing off what Ryan's saying. Like, I do like that. It feels this film takes it and says like, you know, the world isn't in danger, but your world is in danger. your world. And yes. like, yeah, and yes. like, even in a in a tangential sense, collaterally, other things will be in danger because I don't care what I destroy yeah, yeah, yeah. to get to you. Yeah. Um, and because you brought it up, like one of my favorite things is I love that they brought the God's eye back. Yeah. I, <coughs> I love that it wasn't the point of like a MacGuffin in the movie, but it was important that it was there. Yeah. Because it's so easy for the franchise to like leave things like that behind. Um and the fact that like they brought that back around this thing that wasn't important, like they had to take care of this because it could have been the end of the world kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And that the, it's it, it brings like some more Ramsey development because she created it and it's how she got involved with all this to begin with. Mm-hmm. And that it is a tool that they are using to like look out for each other and then it gets taken and now it's being used against them and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, that's so great to utilize what's there. Yeah. Don't forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't forget what you built up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but also, as I, I I want to chime in on how I love when I say grounded, I don't mean grounded as obviously this film's not grounded. This film has cars and dominant and Dom essentially running into a crane to ping pong <laughs> a, a a bomb into a river. I ought to be laughed. But yeah, but yeah. it's grounded in the fact that the world is at stake. They're not being sent on a mission by Mr. Nobody. It's like, oh, if this person gets what they want, then the world is is at stake or this country is going to be destroyed. And Sparks, I think you said best when they said that the character's world is in trouble. That's what's at stake. While the stakes are high, they're not high as in like, we need to do this or else the world will be enslaved by so-and-so. It's like, yo, this guy is trying to murder me and I got to put him in his place or at least try to. And it's been, you know, after Fast Five, the sixth, seventh, eighth film and ninth films have all been like them having every resource they needed more or less at their disposal to take on the missions that they were doing with the support of the agency and everything. And so finally flipping that on them and putting them in these situations where they can't really communicate with each other throughout the movie really made it more interesting because it felt like the team was so broken up um Mm -hmm. and and had to like trust certain things that's a good point because they kind of like at all times can just do what they want when they want and actually here they're like oh no like we're in trouble like we can't we've had four movies where they've kind of like they've they moved out of the criminal space into the like you are now working as spies yeah you are working as agents for this agency if you are even if you're freelance that's what you're doing and we'll give you whatever you need to complete the mission yeah yeah and that had been the case for a while. So to have that completely turned on its ear on them and like Jason Momoa makes me think anything can happen Mm -hmm. with the way that he portrays his character. Like I thought that the Vatican might blow up in the movie. I thought that Dom might fail to save it. And that like in this universe, the the Vatican might get destroyed. Now that being said, the destruction that they showed uh, in one of the sweeping shots, like after it was revealed, I was like, that's still really gnarly for this world. That's a lot of damage that they let happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it made collateral feel more real than I think it has in a while in the franchise. Absolutely, yeah. And and it's like I said to you in a theater. Oh, this is Fast and Furious Civil War because like the there's the 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 agency scene of here's everything y'all have done for twenty <laughs> years. Here's Sokovia and here's New York and stuff like that. I'm like, oh yeah, everything is 
everything is coming back on them, like it will eventually like all your your globe trotting is gonna come to bite you in the ass because how much shit are you destroying? It is a lot. Uh, uh, he ends up just being like a bad guy, like a traitor bad guy. But like, <coughs> that is a good point. Like, do you need to Honestly, bring these people in? Well, and even and even then, like the the point that he makes at one point, I I will not. Uh, I'm paraphrasing it, so I'm not going to execute it perfectly. But Dante says like. I'm part of your collateral. That's all I was because we didn't know he was there because Dom didn't know he was there yeah. in fast five. That vehicle is there, that vehicle with the gun coming out and it got hit by the vault and knocked into the water. Yeah. We had no idea he was in it because Dom had no idea he, he was didn't in care. it. Yeah. And it was all collateral bullshit um, to Dom. And that's, I think that's so good of like, you don't care about the things that, that get wrecked in the wake of what until it are. happens to you. Specifically. Right. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I will say, because obviously the other fast films, they've they've inserted things like, oh, that explosion where you thought a character died. No, it was not. It was they're not dead. Like when Han turned out to not be dead yeah. from the last film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of me was I was I'm like I remember when I saw that I was like, oh, this is some bullshit. But at the same time, I just rolled with it because I like Han a lot. Yeah. And then we get to this one where they put Jason Momoa's character into that car, and it's like this actually makes a lot of sense. Yes. And it works so well with the story they're trying to tell. And even if you were to watch Fast Five, you see that car with a gun on it. You just don't look inside the driver. It's like, yeah, the da- the son was there the whole time. Yeah. And a- and when they try to put characters and like retroactively be in part, I think this is like I think this is like the best instance of them retroactively adding important characters in the previous films. Sure. And then yeah. the of course, and then those um Essentially, it's all those problems come up to harvest, and they have to, re- and the and the family has to reap what they sow. Of course, they didn't realize it; they just did their own job. And Fast Five ended on a happy note, but then it's like I'll just wait um, five more films, then shit's gonna go real bad. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's a lot of what the movie has working for. Is like, frankly, the franchise at this point has earned its. Um, uh, you know, it's appearances from the stars that we're familiar with showing up like John Cena as Jacob, like coming in and like, yeah, Dom sent me. And I'm like, yeah, th- yeah, this is the vibe. This is the energy. This is essentially like high action soap opera bullshit on wheels. Yep. Um, but but they've earned that. They've earned that with the time they've put into all of these characters, these stars. Uh, I think that there's two really instrumental pieces that make this movie work for me. Jason Momoa is a big one. And then the other one is John Cena. Like I love John Cena. I'm so glad they brought him in, in the previous movie because having him on the, the side adventure with little B was a really wonderful, like alternate path that we were getting inside of the film. Cause we're essentially following Mm -hmm. four stories. We're following Dom. We're following, I guess you could say five. We're following, uh, Letty and, um, the Roman crew, the Roman crew, uh, Dom, then little B and Tessa, Jacob and Tessa and, miss nobody <laughs> and, and Tess miss nobody. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people. Yep. A whole lot of them. But I also want to, um, I also want to add to, or add to, to the scenes between Jacob and little B. I never felt like those scenes were awkward at all. They felt very organic. Like when they're dry, like obviously i one of the best parts is like when little b sees the dodge the you know the big conspicuous truck he goes whoa he's like and jacob's all like what are you talking about that's not mine this is mine and you see like just like a regular with the kayak on the top and the whole time sitting there going you know what that actually makes sense because if you're in a like a high stakes neighborhood and you see a car driving away you're looking for the like the super souped up car or truck or the the car that's got worked on not some old 
30, 40 something old, not maybe not POS, but some old beat up car. Right. I mean, you thought they were like surfboards and you didn't think it was like a rocket. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was a that was a cool scene. I'm not going to lie. But it also kind of makes sense about how a little bead like. I thought it was a cute moment where he's on the when they're on the plane and he says he doesn't like planes. He just doesn't like them. And he and then Jacob has this really good like heart to heart moment, like this good bonding moment with his nephew who's like, oh, actually, I didn't like cars and goes, what? He's like, oh, yeah. Well, do, do, do you remember the last time he was on a plane? Yeah, shit went bad. And I do Jacob remember that. just strap him to his chest and take him. Yeah, his mom got shot last time he was on a plane. Which, I mean, once again, makes sense. Kid has a fear of planes. But with Jacob there, and he was helping him and telling him all the stuff about between him and Dom, it was, it made it like this guy is actually, tr- I mean, obviously, Jacob's been a, a, away for a very long time. He hasn't had contact with his family since the last movie. And then they they agreed that, hey, we're going to patch stuff up, but it's going to be a slow road. You know, I can only assume multiple talks and multiple one-on-ones. And now he's like, oh no, I'm here for it. And even the scene where like, where Jacob doesn't know how to react when little B says, I love you, uncle Jacob. And he goes, oh, this uh, affection, this is weird, but yay. And he's like willing to do everything for this net for his nephew. I'm like this, I will say John Cena does shine as a father figure to little b in this movie and just and also he he's hilarious he's he has some really good action scenes i will i will agree with you sparks that both john cena and jason momoa are standouts of the movie john cena is just he's just a national treasure and it's really funny because like he's just like being john cena in this movie when you if you watch fast nine he's like the most stern like bad boy in the world but here he's just like i'm just me and i like he I, got he got lightened up he got lightened up and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not a criticism it's just like i love that let's like he doesn't have to be that character he can just be no i'm just gonna be goofy now right like i love that and i i loved the stuff with him in little b and it was so charming yeah. sometimes you need a little reprieve from all the action and just mm-hmm. like just go on a go on a road trip with your little little guy yeah, you need right. some good vibrations. That's what you need. Oh my god, move it, move it! I I genuinely like. I'm fine with it if he did die, which it very much seems like he did. That that was the sacrifice play. Yeah, but I would love for John Cena to be back because I can't. I I just love him in general. Yeah, I love watching him, and I love mm-hmm. that he gets to play in the sandbox. So I would love to see him. I back completely again. forgot he was even in this movie until he showed up in the house, and I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, we're all here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Grayson, um, good. Peacemaker is amazing. We yeah. love that show. Oh yeah. Uh, Grayson oh, yeah. says I binged Peacemaker recently, and John Cena really surprised me. He is so wholesome. You're damn right. Do you really want to taste it? The answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. John Cena. Wow. We're all big fans of John Cena on this podcast, uh, so I'm really glad that we got him in F9, so we could get him here this way. I think this this was a lot of fun to have. I could have. Hmm. I don't know if I was gonna say I could use more Scott Speedman, but maybe I don't need any Scott. Scott Speedman. Eastman. Scott Eastman. Yeah, Scott Speedman's a different guy. Scott Eastman. Um, as as like nobody junior. I'm glad they brought him back at all because we were wondering where he was. Yeah, I, he's in for like I wish I, had, I, I he was in like one scene, and I, just, I guess I wish I had more because like he just shows up and then gets like falls out of a car and then he's gone. We all thought uh, it was weird when he wasn't in the last one. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, I, I'm glad I'm glad he showed up. I guess I just wanted more because I feel like they threw him in just because they had to. Like they didn't do anything with him. I, but I guess you don't need to. I feel like he's connective tissue, and like again, the franchise has earned like it's it's reprising appearances and all that kind Honestly, of stuff. Honestly, we have we have uh, Brie Larson anyway, and she's better. 
Right. And she's like, better she, than well, him. she's, and she's taking over and she's coming in as Kurt Russell's biological daughter, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I liked that Scott Eastman is like the bridge of, of, you know, he should be the contact we should have been seeing for the agency stuff because that was what he was set up to be in, in I F8. Think, and so it was yeah. weird when we didn't see him in F9. He should have got taken out by, by, by Dove. Well, we don't even know. Like, is he, he, he we're, all we hear is like, he's out of commission. And I was kind of like, wait, what? Yeah. He jumped out of a vehicle. But a lot of people jump out of vehicles in this franchise. Like, <laughs> that's why Dom's, is he out of commission? Dom's MO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, why is he out of commission? Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? Is he unconscious? Is he in a coma? Does he just break his leg? Like, what's going on? I'll show up in the next movie. Yeah, yeah, I hope yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, who else we got? Who's new? Um, Who's in the... Family. <laughs> oh, we got, uh, we got... We actually do have a new family member. Um, Danielle Elena's sister. The sister of Elena, uh, Dom's first wife. Uh, da- uh, father, uh, mother of, of of little B. Yeah, I really like I really like Danielle Melchior coming in. Yeah, she, I thought she was really good. Like I didn't expect her to have like it's not a big role. The, the but, like fam- it's a bigger role than I thought it was. The family be. connection was a cool reveal. I was like, oh, this works really well and makes a lot of yeah. sense. I like, like it. Yeah, go save your son and my nephew. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, that that was cute. And even like when we first see her, I'm like, okay, this lady. I knew this lady was important somehow. And then when it's revealed that she was a last sister, I'm like, okay, it all makes sense now. Yeah, it all interweaves. But ooh, ooh, did Jis Momoa make me feel uncomfortable when he showed up? Ooh. Oh, and you licked her. I know. I know yeah. that's the. I know that's the point. I know that is the hundred <laughs> percent the point. But ooh, I just love dude. His like his whole like vibe in this, in this movie is like. It's unreal. Yeah. Because like yeah. Kevin's on his shirts unbuttoned. He's doing it little like ooh, like little like no. He's just he's just like so fun. Like I just I oh. I don't need every villain to be this one, but I want more do, villains. Like also you throw a helicopter at me back there. You brute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like butthole and brute. Like these yeah. like goofy words. Question: Was the actor who played Frenchie and the boys the guy in Rio de Janeiro who was Dom's friend, or my? No, mixed? it wasn't him. Okay. They just look okay. similar. I see. I see. I see what you mean, but that wasn't him. Poor guy. Similar, similar vibe for sure. Poor guy. Yeah. He died thinking he was going to win and gets blown up. But oh, even, yeah. but once again, another great thing about um, Jason Momoa's character where he's driving is like, who are you going to say first? Who are you going to say first? True question. Everyone dies. Yeah. 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 And I love, again, like, uh, I love that they, we still have, like, I always want races in these movies. No matter how big we get, like, we need races. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think this is a good race. And it's like, oh, yeah, Dom, you can't save everyone. What do you do? And he still tries to save everyone. Like, he yeah. does his best. Um, and I, I just think that's great. Like, and you know, Vin Diesel. Uh, so Vin Diesel gave an interview recently, and I forget what Vin Diesel's voice actually sounds like. And you for you can sometimes forget that he's actually doing a performance here, because hmm. Vin Diesel has a high pitched voice, and he's what he's doing. Dumb. I'm like, you're actually trying. I I forget sometimes you're an actor. Uh, sometimes <laughs> you're pretty good. I'm not gonna say he's a great actor, but sometimes I'm like, damn, damn, Vin, you can bring it. Yeah, you can bring it. I still remember that he did a promotional video for Street Sharks back in the 90s. That was like oh, his yeah. first big acting gig was promoting Street Sharks. I remember that, yeah. Um, I will say, like, we get the pivot into heroic Dom. Like, and Dom's been a good guy, like, helping. But, like, we get a lot of saving innocent bystanders. Saint Dominic. This, the Saint Dominic play in this one, which I, I really like. I actually yeah. really like Jason Momoa throwing that in his face and calling him Saint Dominic. I, I think that's actually a lot of fun. Yeah. Really, like, picking at him. But um, it was it was very, in in the film language of, the way shots were done, I was like, we're a little, a little bit hard on the Dominic Toretto heroism here. Uh, but okay. 
Yeah. I'll I'll allow it. I'll buy it. Yeah. Um, it was it's laid on a little thick, but I like the story that we're you know the journey that we're doing for this franchise where where it's all ending up, what it's all about. Um, we haven't talked much about the the Roman squad. There's, I wish there was a lot more to say. I like that Han is there. I'll say that because yeah. <coughs> I think this is probably the weakest part for me. Like they're there. Yeah. And again, like I love, I love all the like them together. Like I, especially like Roman and Tej. Like I really like those two together. Like I love their 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 rivalry. It's always fun. But like in this one, it wasn't bad. It just like nothing ever. Like yeah, you guys are still joking. Here's, you guys here's still the thing. doing the thing you guys Here, do. Here's the thing. I said it the last time, and I'm probably I probably said it about Fate too. Yeah. Uh, they just haven't changed. No. Like they're not growing. No. And no. like you could argue, I guess, that none of these characters are really changing or growing. But I would push back on that and say that like really Roman and Tej and unfortunately Ramsey because she's kind of wrapped into that trio are really stuck. Well, she knows car stuff. In now, like, though. yeah, <laughs> because she said it. <laughs> uh. They're really stuck in kind of running the same loop of like, what do they do? They bicker. Um, and that's what they do is that they they get at each other's goats and they're always kind of in like a weird competition with each other. Yeah. I like that they actually gave Roman. It's like my favorite moment Roman has in the movie the is, leader? is is that he was in this leadership role. And when they're on the jet yes. and he's and he like cuts the shit for a moment, essentially with Tej. And he's like, Tej, I, I this up. was on me. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, boy, if we got like a little bit more development on that, I would like this so much more because like when they get into the to the pissing contest fight in the in the black market room with Pete Davidson, I just didn't give oh, a shit. I love I Pete was, Davidson. Uh, but yeah, I agree that <coughs> they didn't, yeah. Well, when they it's when they start physically fighting with each other, I'm like, what is this even about, guys? Like, yeah, like this is so useless. Um, Although Han can get magic muffin, that was pretty good. It was. I kind of wish it had gone. I thought it was going to last longer. Longer. Well, I was like, pick at it throughout the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was. I was actually kind of like, okay, cool. Han's on drugs now, but that doesn't really add up to anything. It's just like, okay, I'm fine now. I gotta go talk to a guy who tried to blow me up in Tokyo. Here's what I think is going to happen because we now know this is not just two movies, three movies, and we know where these characters end up. I actually do think that the Roman leadership role is going to be expanded into the next movie and the next one. I, mean, I hope so. I because I think I I wanted more of it, but I'm like, oh, are they just trying to like spread it out? I hope we're seeing an arc with them because like my biggest thing is that they're they're kind of doing the same shtick with them over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, like adding Han into the mix is refreshing, but it's not necessarily fixing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, boy, that's another person. I bet. Dwayne Johnson doesn't show up on screen with his Tyrese Gibson. Ah. I bet that even more than I bet him not showing up on screen with Vin. Yo, big ass forehead. I think I think they hate each other more than than Vin and Dwayne God. do. That is, that'll be funny to see how much nonsense CJ work goes into that. Um, yeah, yeah. Man, let me think. Um, that the action in this movie is really good all throughout. I think I don't think there's really any bad action. Again, Louis Terrier, like he really brought it. Like I, you know, it's hard. It's not it's not so hard to to take over a franchise after someone like Justin Lin, but to take over a franchise after Justin Lin was working on this movie and he left mid-production. Again, that is that is an incredible feat for someone to come in and to make a movie as good as this is. Yeah. And the action is so good. It is it's it might not be like the best in the franchise, but like it, it stands up with some of the best. Like I, I noticed I noticed there's a lot of good overhead moving shots. The drone the drone stuff. There's a lot of there's good a ones. lot of really good drone shots. Like Michael Bay and Ambulance later or earlier this year is probably the best in terms of drone shots. But like there's some really good drone like cars are coming at you and you go right up and like you go over like a valley. And I'm like, that's good work. And le- le- like they just make a decision to 
you know, not just have like a straight drone drone shot following, wow. but like the drone is like moving with the action. It's flowing into it. And like I remember one specifically where like it flows over a bridge yep. in a curve and then comes over down behind the car. Yeah. And I was like, man, that just like that looks so much more interesting than than just like flying a drone over it just yeah. straight. Letty, uh Letty and Cypher have a great action scene. Uh, and I love that, like, they're about to escape, or, or they're, they have, like, we have four minutes before people get here, and Lady's like, cool, I got four minutes to beat your ass. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Which is, yeah. I really value, because, like, Cypher, she is, she is of the bad guys they've encountered, she is the one who has actually done, like, real harm to the team yes. directly. Yeah. Um, everyone Shot else you can kind Elena of be like, oh, it wasn't so bad, and then, like, you get to her, and it's like, no, it was really, really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, beat your ass. Yeah, so so I'm glad that the, like, there's like not a lot of love and a lot of distrust there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, really, I did not expect the opening. I'll say that I didn't expect her coming to the house beaten and bloodied, and yeah. then the the flashback scene she gets. Boy, that's a great opening. Her scene with uh, Jason Momoa, yeah. the two of them, like woof. That yeah, was it awesome. really it really sells him on who he is and how like dangerous he is. And again, like Ben, you brought it up how like in, in ten years ago he's like he's he's like calm and like you know he's, like. He's a regular dude, but once he gets his head knocked and like he's and he has like surgery or whatever, and he says it like, yeah, I'm a little like loopy now, like you know, it must have been the accident. Like, yeah, he's just like he's just gone. He's just gone as a person, and like you can't fight that. There's no fighting. I mean, I mean, there's only. I mean, he does, has had um, psychotic tendencies before because when Elena's sister is pulling up the files on Dante, oh, they're like, true. oh yeah, he's been in hospitals, he's been in psych wars, he's been all over, and like something bad happened. His dad came and pulled him out and pull him out of prison or or some uh mental ward yeah. or, or whatever that so, was keeping him in check almost <laughs> yeah yeah keeping him in check and then of course once his dad's gone and now he's goes oddly enough one of my favorite scenes with jason momoa is when he's doing the nails of his two um yep. of two yes. cyphers so guys good. yeah but they're both dead yeah with the with and, the tape <laughs> and they're horribly dead and he's just sitting there talking to himself. He's in a robe. He has his hair in two buns. And he's just like talking. Like, it's when I say this, I don't say this in a derogatory way. He sounds like a teenage girl talking with her girlfriends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just <laughs> absolute. And he sells it so well mm-hmm. that it is absolutely, it is a, tr- I mean, as a character, as, as, as one performer to another, awesome to see him as someone whose actions I do not condone on screen it is absolutely terrifying to see this man work. Well, it's, he's like, so he's so deranged. Like he, but he knows what he's doing. Cause when he walks away, he's like, Oh, I got to see you later. Someone will come to bury you later. And I'm like, he knows what he's doing. He, he it's just like, he, it was not so lonely. It's just like, uh, yeah. It just once I, I know I said it before. I'll say it again. Just move was the standout for me in this movie. He definitely upped my enjoyment of this film. I enjoyed this film. Uh, but with him and his performance he gave, I'm actually really excited to see him again in yeah. part two and hopefully Absolutely. part three, if they yeah. do make a part three. Uh, we haven't talked about him a lot, but uh, Alan Richardson plays the new, like, I don't know what his name is. Oh, Ames. 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 Like, oh, director yeah. Ames, who you think is a good guy, and he turns out to be a double agent, which I kind of knew from the beginning. I had, decided, uh, I had that vibe about him. Uh, I did. I didn't. I, I just because I saw him in the, in the Fast Five. Because you see the blonde guy in the Fast Five opening. I'm like, there's Alan Richardson, but they don't show his oh. face until the end of the movie. And I'm like, I knew, I knew it. I knew it. I did not catch. I mean, obviously, when they do the flashback and it pans on him, I'm like, oh, I should have seen this from the beginning. But I actually thought that he was, he wasn't like obviously Dante's the main antagonist. 
Ames is like the secondary antagonist. He's like, he was kind of like Hobbs in a way where he's like the lawman. He's like, I'm going to get these guys. They're going to pay these. They're going to pay for their crimes. They're going to, they're not going to have the same leniency as they did before. Mm-hmm. And after the incident on the bridge, like when Ames says, I won't say sorry, but I'll do you one better. And then he helps Dom out. So when he, you, when you see him on the ledge with the bazooka, you, that for me, I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that for me, that was like, cause when they get away, I was like, yeah, that was a good clan. Oh, we're not done yet. Oh, we're not done yet. Oh no, we're not. It just, it just got worse and worse and worse. Like, I you really see those, like, like you I see love those the, uh... okay. no, I was going to say like, when I saw the oil tankers, I'm like, this fucker's going to blow up the dam. Holy crap. He does, but he doesn't blow. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's good stuff. It's I, stuff. I didn't see. I didn't see the 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 betrayal coming. Oh, to, me, yeah. to me, I mean, if I do watch this movie again, I could probably see it earlier on. But honestly, when I it, it got me, it fooled me. I had no love clue. It. That's good. I love it. Uh, I I love the um, just the way it was shot, like him him with the bazooka. Like the sun's in the background. It's like it feels like a heroic shot, but he's like, Yeah, you didn't expect this one, did you? I'm like, yeah. oh, what a bad guy thing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just like that guy a lot. He's just like, he's so beefy. There's that <laughs> one there's that one scene where like he's running, he's chasing Dom, and then like a bunch of guys like confront with the guys, do we really want to do this? And that dude's like about to burst out of his blue shirt. Yeah, yeah. He is so ripped because of Reacher. Uh yeah, Jack Reacher, love it. Uh yeah, you said it like stack cast, like everybody in this cast is famous. They got they brought everyone back and new people too. Uh Again, I'm so glad that Momoa like didn't die. Like he will be our bad guy. Four Academy Award winning women in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, Helen Mirren shows up again. Uh, the help her bro, her help her bro out. Uh, her and Vin Diesel have a fun friendship. That's yeah. just I love. That's really fun. I do too. Mm-hmm. Um, we set up Shaw for a mission to save her. Yeah, because she's on the the hit list. Which I was surprised. Like when we were getting to that movie, I'm like, oh shit, we have to wait for the next one to see that. <laughs> yeah, this definitely. <clears throat> this is like this is a really good example of a movie that does a lot of setup but like i don't feel like oh it's setting up and i didn't feel like i earned anything in this movie like it's setting up what the next movie is but like i feel like i, I was satisfied with this movie like you know like I also, it is a cliffhanger but like yeah. it ends where i'm i'm happy you know? i also will say that like i don't feel like this is because it's going to come into when i give my rating later and everything but like it doesn't feel like a complete movie the way infinity war does yeah that's true yeah um you know, it does feel like a, you kind of need the rest of this to, it get, is a to get the full story. Just like we said, like, mm-hmm. you know, Roman might be set up for an arc. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're not quite getting everything for all the characters because it's juggling a lot and it's doing it surprisingly well with good pacing. Yeah. I'll admit, but like it is juggling a lot and we're left in kind of like a, when you like look at the trajectory of characters, like a lot of them have only most of the people besides Dom and Jacob have only moved through like their A plot yeah. and haven't gotten to like the B and C part of the story. Like yeah. they're they're still in act one while Dom and Jacob have gone through acts one through three. It does feel like that, yeah. Because uh, yeah, Letty and Cypher are doing their own thing in Antarctica with Galaga Dot all yeah. of a sudden. <laughs> she, she's got the sub, the, she's got the submarine from Fast 7. Eight. Eight. Uh, that's great. How'd she get it? She was dead at the time. Whatever. Yeah. Giselle <laughs> is working with Cypher, I guess. Um, I, that's, that's fine. You'll give me a stupid reason. That's okay. And Brie, and Brie Larson's test knew that Cypher would get Letty out. So neat. Uh, just interesting alliances oh, being made real here. Quick, during that fight with Letty and Cypher, uh, she activates like a laser grid. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's just awesome. Oh, also, because I know you caught it. It's like, oh, what? Like Cypher 
on the side panel, handcuffed, was able to rig the uh, laughing gas to go into <laughs> the building. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't even care. Yeah. In another movie, I would be mad, but like, whatever, man. <laughs> like, but, she did some finger stuff. It works, whatever. <laughs> she's supposed to be very, very smart with technology. And I'm sure. like, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she did. Whatever. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Real quick, uh, might be my favorite line in the movie is when Cypher says, I met the devil tonight. Which was a real bummer because I was pretty sure that was me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought I was just that was a killer line. I and I, I did think she was going to say the cliche thing of the enemy of my enemy is my <laughs> is my friend, but she didn't say friend. She said you. And I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. She's not immediately just joining their side because yeah, that's no, what you do. The enemy of my enemy is, is you. And I'm like, okay, cool. You can still be antagonist, but like work together. That's yeah. great. I love it. Yeah. Um. I man, you know, once the Justin Lin news hit that he was leaving and like the weird Vin stuff, I'm like. I was worried, but then we saw the trailer and it looked pretty good. And like, no, nah, man, this is this is good. This was great. And like, we got Louis Leterrier coming back for the second one, maybe the third one too. I'm guessing. Um, I have I have faith that, that this could hopefully you know end strong. Like uh, having having most recently of us watched <coughs> the the worst Fast and Furious movie, Too Fast Too Furious, a couple years ago. I actually kind of like that movie now because it's really campy and cheesy. Sure. So there are no bad Fast and Furious movies now because uh, the one that I thought was bad isn't. So like. Baby, we got ten good movies. That's that's awesome. Like, what a great franchise. They just keep getting sillier. Again, if you've never seen the Fast and the Furious franchise, you get a sweet five minute. Here's everything that happened. They started as <laughs> running DVDs, <coughs> then they worked for the CIA and the government, and now the terrorists. I'm like, sweet, love yeah. it. It's it's yeah. a fun live action anime. Um, yeah, I think they do a good it's job of the inclusion of like Jordana Brewster as Mia being back. That she's in the movie just. You know the right amount for and the she story gets a that we're doing. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. That we that we get here. I I think the movie does juggle its stars pretty well, um, especially like the special appearances. I think are done fairly well. I agree. Yeah. Um, I did like when they're doing the 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 beginning like you know dinner thing, uh, and they're giving the speech and the toast about the family and everything. I'm like, do they do this like you know like every every other week? Like there's a <laughs> there's a big speech like you know just in case. We're all not at this table in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Every, Here's every, a big speech about our legacy and family. And, every other week, and, we're and, and glove you know. family. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you the, and you hear the and you hear the piano from. Uh, uh, yeah, it's been a long day. Yeah, I thought that was the, I thought that was pretty. It, they were pretty sly about that. About how like he's having a conversation about his dad, yeah. but like they're like his dad not being around anymore. But like they're they're kind of putting an audience brain like paul brian. not being around yeah not mm -hmm. brian but paul yeah you know like you know for the audience this is paul for vin diesel in real life this is paul yeah for dominic this is his dad and like they're kind of connecting those beats by playing the music there um i think that the little boy who played little Bri little b was pretty good yeah i liked him charming little guy yeah um, I thought he was a lot of fun. Uh, I just love how when he says "holy shit" and John Cena goes like, "Hey, no, that's only for song lyrics and stubbing your toe." And, and then, then they get into the car, and he's like, "And cannon cars, and cannon cars." <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he just goes, "Oh shit." He's like, no it's, kidding, cars. It's really funny that Fast X came out the same week that Zelda did because uh, John Cena builds two Zoni vehicles in this movie. He puts cannons on a car and then he puts wings on like on like a, a kayak looking thing. So people are online like, yeah, it's Zelda, it's Zelda John Cena. Oh my gosh. Yep. yep. That it's cannon car, good. awesome. Because not only was it a cannon car, he turned the cannons downward 
so he can launch himself up. And I'm like, that's engineering. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I thought they were jet thrusters. I was like, this guy's driving the freaking Batmobile, but nope, it's a cannon car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twisted metal what? Oh, that's later this year. Um, yeah, there's oh there's a lot of good classic what's become classic, I guess. Yeah. Like what you expect fast stuff just amped up in this movie. This is a like again, this I don't think this is like the best Fast and Fierce movie, but this is a this is a great example of what a good Fast and Fierce movie is, you know? Yeah. It's got the family that you want, it's got the great action, it's got the high octane drama, the soap opera aspect. Absolutely, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I would definitely say that if there was a low point, it would be the scenes with Roman and his crew. But the, I mean it, it's when I say low point, it's not like the most horrible thing in the movie. It's just it's um, it's it's fine. It's just, like, it's yeah, fine. it's it's fine. I mean, I will say I was looking more towards like I want to see what's going with Dom, what's going on with um Jacob and Little B. I wanted to see even um how is Letty gonna get out of Antarctica. I wanted I cared more about that than yeah. I did about the rest of the team. But I will admit that when Roman is like on the planet, he realizes his mistakes and and um says I messed up and then um uh, ludicrous is like no you did this you did all these things for us you know what that's from that's like you spent thousands of dollars of your own cash <laughs> to get us here that's you're a leader dude you're helping yeah. us out and i i do hope that carries over into the next movie because it would be nice for those characters to grow a little bit over the course of like 20 years yeah yeah definitely. it just feels like they constantly are paired with each other but they they are borderline like always negging each other and mm-hmm. I'm like, just fuck guys. Like, yeah. um, just get it over. Watch with that be the long term arc. No, <laughs> that'd be uh, I also never. no, I know. <laughs> but like, I, but 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 really, all it is is that just like, I want Roman to be. I want Roman to be, a written as a character who gets to be respected at this point. Yeah. By Tej, like I want them to be on a level where like they actually just like work in sync for once yeah would be cool because they've been doing they've been on this like superhero team for like 10 years like roman has to be good at something right like he has to be good if you're keeping him on the team he's a good driver he is a good driver but i'm like they like he's like he's like you know one like one notch above the bottom of the barrel in their team but like he's (laughs) a good driver yeah yeah yeah. mia's probably a better driver but like you know he's a good driver yeah yeah. <laughs> Although the gold Lamborghini was a good idea because it, the the light, the the yeah. shining of the light, that was pretty much sure. Yeah. Also, I did like the little um, tiny Tej. Oh yeah, sure. that was cute. Yeah, it was yeah. funny. Um, yeah, I I do think like having Han around definitely like livened up those scenes a bit more to be different from previous outings. Um, at least the last two outings for sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I I do hope we get like more of their dynamic kind of getting stronger and better in the next ones um to be honest i still kind of wish we were revisiting the idea that they presented in the previous one where they're like are we unkillable and i feel like that <laughs> conversation has to come up again in the next one because they're definitely not dead Absolutely. so they have to yeah. be like dude are we we are unkillable yeah, yeah uh we have one final thing to talk about and it's a post-credit scene oh yeah oh uh, yeah um he's back baby he's back Dalwayne. <coughs> I kind of wish this hadn't gotten out. I, I would have been really happy if I didn't find out. Yeah, yeah. For um, yeah, me too. I would have been like, oh, he actually did, is bad. And it like got out in a way where it was unavoidable because it was like actually reported in the press, not, uh, you know, just like, it was like people spoiling things. It was like online. Variety or so, or like yes. some big paper. Just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. hey, he, The Rock is back in the, in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that, thanks, guys. Like that, that mm-hmm. sucked. That's a big yeah. bummer that they did that. Um, I'm glad that whatever happened, happened that Dwayne Johnson is back because like, especially because that is what happened in fast five. The shot you, we see, you know, like he is the one who put the bullets in, in Herman Reyes. Um, it was his mission that he wanted him busted. Yeah. 
uh, I'm glad that that gets to come back around full circle. Like if you're going to have Dante, like go after them, he has to go after Luke too. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also even throughout the movie, we do see a lot of pictures of Dwayne Johnson and even shots from fast five of Dwayne Johnson. So the fact that he's actually back, I, I will say I kind of, I kind of miss him. I think he fits very well <laughs> in the fast franchise. So I'm glad to see him again. It's so funny because like the fast and the furious, like those movies were getting bigger, but the rock was one of the main reasons that those movies did get bigger. Like when he joined that cast, th that amplified that franchise more than like it already was. Fast getting. Five was the best movie, and so like yeah, it helped that that was his entry point. Absolutely. Like everybody got high on that, and he's so good in that and movie here, too. And here's the thing: like, there's a part of me that kind of wishes this this franchise had stopped at Furious Seven, and that after that we just had like what was essentially Hobbs and Shaw, which is where you follow oh, like Hobbs and like some other characters, and maybe some of the original Fast family appears, but it would have been like the right way to kind of bring them back around, but like not involve Brian, right? Yeah, yeah. But we continued a story that involves the family, and like I like that. I'm I, I'm having a good time, but like there's a part of me that like it would have made more sense to just stop at seven and like let other characters stand out of the franchise. You could still bring back Dom and stuff, but yeah, like yeah. you would divorce it from like the environment where Brian would be. Yeah. <coughs> Unfortunately, I think that's not what this is the wants. way. It, no, no, no. <laughs> this, this is the way it is. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. I think that's, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, that's, that's his power. That's the power that he had as a presence as his character in this franchise. So like, I am, we were always bummed that like their feud meant he wasn't going to come back because it's like, uh, it feels like you really should be there though. Yeah. Um, so now, I'm glad that I'm glad that it's happening. Luckily, the DC universe imploded, so he's back. Luckily, him uh, and Gal. Luckily, he lost Black Adam, and Gal's probably not Wonder Woman anymore. So here they are. So yeah. <laughs> hey, fast directors can come back. <laughs> <laughs> I am glad. I am glad to have them back. Though, like, it would be weird, especially with all the Dante stuff. To like, you're not going to get the guy who killed your dad, though, for real. Yeah. Right. Not even yeah. like a mention. I'm glad that yeah. that's like what the post credits is about and bringing that on and and uh, <coughs> hitting him. <coughs> excuse me. With the same, I've been watching you the way I watch Dom's shtick. I think is really yeah, yeah. Fun. yeah. Mm -hmm. And just like Dwayne Johnson taking his helmet off and he's holding the phone and just like crushes it. It's oh, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You some bitch, you some bitch, you some bitch, squish. Uh, also, shout out to Dwayne Johnson not uh, feeling like he needed to hide his age, letting his goatee be white oh, as yeah. it actually is naturally rather than uh, dying it and also like that he had the goatee because there could have been a world where he just didn't have it because it that takes a little more effort right and like nah man just have the goatee yeah, yeah. that's cool yeah. shout outs to shout outs to him on that i can't wait until he actually like talks publicly about doing this because he hasn't yet and he'll be very positive and like i'm so thrilled to be back with my family and all of the baloney we'll see and, we'll see know, yeah. i wonder what spin he'll do yeah yeah um, it's like hey isn't this you talk bashing him on jungle cruise uh press tour i literally just watched the video of you talking shit on uh <laughs> on uh what's roman what roman tyrese tyrese's rap album that was really bad like you're talking shit on it's so like i don't know rock i don't know Dwayne. can you come back from this yeah uh we'll let him because we want to watch the movie and we're not going to give him any shit it's we're true. just going to be like yeah it's fine whatever Listen, oh, you yeah. can have your black adam just come back and be hops yeah yeah, yeah 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 cool well um it? it's a cool movie i'm definitely looking forward to seeing the next one yeah me too. Uh, now i'm really jazzed about it, especially with jason momoa still on the table that was one of the things like when we were getting towards the third act i'm like 
he's got it. He can't be taken out at this point. He's got to be back for the next one. It's, he's just gotta. Yeah. And like, he's too fun. He's too cool. Like you're not going to get better than this. I think at this point, like yeah. for this finale, like it's Jason Momoa and Charlie Saron and they're the kind of the only people you can play with now. You're not going to introduce another person that's going to make it more impactful than these characters right now. Yeah. Um. So that's what it is. And I will say like, you know, just hoping that, uh we see more fun and more returning faces in the next one uh maybe my number one one that i'm hoping for is absolutely and his name is john c i i don't care what it takes just bring it back if he's i don't the, care if what he's it in the is movie or not you can't see him. i want him in the movie i don't care what it takes love it uh just do it <laughs> <coughs> you make him a cyborg that's fine uh, all right, um, let's go ahead and give our final thoughts and rate it. Ben, what uh, amount of 10 out of 10 would you give it on family. the scale? <laughs> How much family would I give this? I'll give this a uh, eight family out of 10. Nice. Um, it's, it's a fun ride. If you, if you go into this movie knowing, knowing that it's like, it's just going to be a bombastic batshit crazy movie. And I will definitely say I walked out of there happier than i thought i was going to be um i mean i knew i mean obviously like the, the fast series has been one of those like it's a movie about cars and racing and all this other shit and then it just turns into a uh hype like essentially like ryan said best it turns into a live action anime and jason momoa really seals at home john cena was a, a treat to watch but i if i am going to go back to fast 10 it's purely for jason momoa 100 percent mm-hmm. He de- he definitely went this movie, brought this movie up from like a seven to an eight, and it's like a hard eight. I'm willing to go eight eight point five because of him. So I would All say right. sounds like you definitely. I got family. There you are. All right. I will agree with my friend Ben Magnon on this. I will also give it an eight out of ten. I think it's a perfectly great, fun action movie. Um, I'm just again thrilled that like. We haven't gotten, at least like in my opinion, the last like four or five, we haven't gotten a bad one yet. Like however you feel about, you know, seven, eight, nine, or at least eight, nine. Uh, I like all those movies. And like, this is just another added to the staple of like, hey, this is another great action movie. Eight out of 10. That's a solid, that's a solid I one. Family. Oh, family. And uh, I'll give it my rating on the family. scale. Uh, and I'll say that, <laughs> uh, I will say that I, I am in agreement with you guys. I also give it an eight. I think, um, uh, I, I also echo what Ben said. Without Momoa, it's probably down closer to a seven. Yeah. Um, part of what pulls it back for me is this is not a complete story. Yep. Um, that uh, and that's not like necessarily a knock about it. I, I like that they're building something big and epic and they're going out with this huge bang for this franchise that it, it deserves it. Yeah. Um but it does make it so that I can't quite uh, give it anything higher um, because I feel like too many characters are in in incomplete in space when I'm done. So I'm like, I can't fully see the vision right now. So eight. Uh, but Momoa definitely um, cranks that baby up a, a fair number for me. Love it. Um, because he's just too, too good. Uh, okay. And then we will real quick before we move on to our book club, I will just... Ooh, hold on. Oh. Pull out Brandon's thoughts. Oh, did he see it? He did see it. He saw it uh, actually well ahead of all of us. Um, yeah, uh, solid vehicular action and great stuff from Moa, but that's kind of it for me. Seven out of ten. Oh, okay. So that's also, you know, Brandon's quick summation thoughts on yeah. what he felt. <laughs> all right, friends. 
it's time to go to the book club. Before we get into the book club, Grayson has this great comment about next uh, one should bring the newest villain that would be a twist, Eagly. Oh my god. Oh no. Eagly comes back for revenge against uh, Jason Momoa. (laughs) I'd take it. I'll do it. You picked a a team of people over me? (laughs) Hey guys, it's me. I'm Ryan. Welcome to the Fake Nerd Book Club. What would it be like to meet an alternate version of yourself? Another you who had made different choices and lived a completely different life as a result. Well, that's a question facing Jessica Jones. In this week's book club, The Variants by Gail Simone and art by Phil Noto, maybe my favorite artist ever alive. Uh, he's alive right now. He's still alive. I love Phil Noto's art. He draws beautiful people. Yo, what's up, guys? Um, I picked Jessica Jones last week because we were talking about Indiana Jones, and there wasn't an archaeological comic I can find, but I did find a book that had Jones in the title. <laughs> it is also almost like I've never... It's also, yeah, it's 100% why, yes. And it's, I've never read this book, and I've, I've always wanted to since it came out last year, because I love Jessica Jones, Phil Noto, and Gail Simone. I know, it's like goofy. Hey. But we're not doing Indiana no. Jones anymore, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, no. variants. No, so Jessica Jones. I love Jessica Jones. I think she's great. Uh, Gail Simone, I love Gail Simone. I think her, her DC work is great. She's done a lot of great, uh, she's a great Domino miniseries. Uh, I think this miniseries is really fun. I think she's got a great voice for characters. Phil Noto's art, y'all, you know I love Phil Noto. That, that guy draws the most beautiful people. What if you just drew the same beautiful person like eight different times? Love it. Couldn't be happier. I love Luke Cage. What did you guys think about the variants? I was going to say the fact that that's the reason why you picked it because Jones was in the title. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I typed Jones into Marvel Unlimited and that's what popped up. If it works, it works. Uh, Other than that, I love this book. I had a blast with it. I haven't really, I know I haven't read a whole lot of Jessica Jones books in the past. I don't know if we did any when we were talking about the show. We probably didn't. Um, But this was, it was really fun to watch. Oh, no, fun to watch. It was fun to read. And it definitely kept you on your toes on what the whole mystery, on the whole like the mystery aspect it was like, what is going on inside Jessica's head? She was trying to help someone who was a former victim of the Purple Man, and now that person's on trial, and she's as she's married to Luke Cage. She, they're watching their kid, and all this stuff is going around her. And when all these variants start showing up, it's like, oh, let's add more wrenches into the pile. Why but, are you here, variants? Yeah, I mean, fantastic story fantastic the great twist ending i would i did not see that coming for at all and just everything about it was really well done really well written solid book love it uh i would say a lot of the same i think that this is genius um frankly in its execution of these five issues uh, i love it um i think the art is incredible throughout (coughs) i love in the first issue when she's trying on all the different lipsticks that's mm-hmm. the first indication of like, no, oh, we're gonna deal with a bunch of different yeah, yeah. Look at that. I love that. I That's love that page. Um, yeah, I think that they did such a good job unfolding the mystery that's going on in this story. Um, both in terms of like what's up with the purple man stuff and then what's up with these variants at the same time. Yeah. It's all really, really good. I just thought this was a really, really good story. Oh yeah, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, man, I, just looking at this Phil Noto art, like again, that dude, he draws the the best facial expressions of all time. Uh, he just knows uh, every expression. You know what the characters are feeling. Uh, he draws a scary purple man. Oh my god, I love his purple. Yeah, man. he does. He he's, looks exceptional. Yeah, like, his purple I man. Really love it. Uh, With the hands coming up around. Hella shady. Um, 
And I love that, like, the Purple Man's been gone, but, like, maybe there's, like, a time bomb in Jessica Jones's brain yeah. that he set there because of what's going on with this girl who's in, who's in court right now, who ends up killing herself. And that really scares Jessica that she's going to do something maybe to her to her son or to her daughter or to her husband or to herself while all these variants are invading her life for who knows what reason. Um, it's it is a lot of things happening at once. And I think you're right. It, it blends together perfectly and it all it works together. I love the stuff with Daredevil, how like there's a Jessica from another timeline that is with Daredevil, but it's not this Daredevil. Like it all feels like it's so this is all like grounded in like emotions and like how this one version of Jessica Jones, Jewel uh has the worst life and like how <laughs> she wanted to be with scott summers but Jean gray stole her and he, she killed all the x-men yeah. what a didn't see that one coming yeah yeah uh oh but, i don't have your powers i have rogue's powers like that's a comic book of course you do yeah um <coughs> when we first meet jewel like obviously you think when you first meet the the variants they fall under the very stereotypical bits like you have the one that's captain america who was already righteous you have the one who was in love with matt murdoch and she's pining over him and she's also like very much like let's trade i want to trade just to keep me here because matt's alive in this universe um but the reveal that jewel is the true villain of the story yeah. and also a truly horrific person is like damn it you yeah. got the whole like with the in issue two when you first meet her and you're she's talking about Kilgrave and Jessica like Jessica Prime hugs her and she's like what are you doing it's like shh, shh, shh. it's kind of like those oh you sweet child don't ever change it's okay it's okay and then you realize that they're a hundred that they're a total monster yeah I got here this is a this is a beautiful page uh because she's like oh okay uh what's a Kilgrave and then Jessica's like she she doesn't know who he is she's never experienced him she's like can I just hold you because you're innocent and like that is so beautiful not knowing actually she's worse than Kilgrave. <laughs> right. Yeah, this I this idea that she she is so committed to the belief in this character because she's like, oh, she's this she's this version of me before. She's the best version of me. She, right. I love this book because Jessica Jones in, in our version, like she thinks she's had this awful life. And like, but she but in reality, yes, she has an awful life, but she has a daughter and she has a and she has a husband and she has friends who love her. Whereas in an other reality, Kilgrave didn't happen to her, but her life is significantly <coughs> worse because of it, or some, or some other reasons. And it's like, like man, like yeah, your life can be bad, but also like you should also like look at look at what you do have in your life, and like how people would kill to have the life that you have. And I'm like, yeah. that's like that is really eye opening. And like yeah, like perspective is really important, mm -hmm. uh, and and in all types of in all types of life, whether you're rich or poor, but perspective is really cool. And I think this book and being about superheroes is like it was really cool to see like like. I don't even know where I'm going with this. I just love it. Uh, yeah. The idea of like a younger version of you who who has more ideals is actually worse because they live a different life. It's just, that's a crazy well, like, meta, meta concept. And Gail Simone does such a good job because like it's always kind of present. It was one of my favorite things is that you're getting Jessica Jones internal narration. And as she is talking through all these things happening, whenever she talks about Power Man, she talks about him as like this beautiful, oh, endless. endless, incredible person um, who takes care of her. And like you're hearing what will later be like the thing that jewel wants and the thing that jessica realizes i have that is so much better than others yeah <coughs> is him yeah and like her friendship with matt and stuff like, like and mm -hmm. all that stuff yeah and like on some level she understands that she knows that because that's what she's saying in her internal monologue the, love the, this the the page where she's punching she hulk to see how hard uh <laughs> how well she can take her hardest punches is really good where like it's just not even not even doing anything oh the um I love the the reveal of the the male Jessica, the Jesse. Yeah. Who is like just oh, a random yeah. neighbor who like you see in the background, but he never is like in shot until like issue like three or four. 
uh, and it's like a male version of Jessica. Uh, great stuff, great stuff. Again, man, the art. Phil Noto, man, he's just he's insane. And he like he oh, yeah. colors his own, he inks his own stuff. Like his he's his own his one man working machine. Yeah. I was yeah. gonna say you oh. also get the racist grandma <laughs> in the elevator. The, say that again. The uh, the scene where um Jesse fights uh, Luke Cage right before that, you get the racist grandma. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> God, yeah, yeah. In the and yeah, Luke Cage yeah. just looks over at Jesse and goes, "How about we let this little white lady out first? He goes, "Fine with me." She just goes, "Fuck are they saying?" And then just goes to blows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I really love the way that like they have all this support when she's trying to protect Power Man. You know, you got Misty Knight, all kinds of resources coming to their aid to protect them because they know like how dangerous Purple Man can actually be at that point. And he's like, "Baby, I always believe you. Don't you know that by now?" And she's like, "I do. It's just I just feel lucky sometimes. Like I married into magic." So good. Yeah. I just love their relationship so much. And being an X-Man guy, I didn't expect uh, Krakoa uh, leader Professor X to show up himself, but he shows up mm-hmm. to help uh, Jessica with her mind problems. And what I love, and it's not, it's not Kilgrave, it's Jessica. It's her own, it's her own, it's her own like psyche battling herself and dealing with this. And what I love is uh, Charles is like, the time bomb is real, Jessica. He planted it 10 years ago, but there's no part of his mind left in you. This is all you. Like he, you're the <coughs> one pulling the trigger. What you have to do is forgive him. Mm-hmm. That is so, that's a lot to like, you have to forgive your abuser or else you'll never get over it. That is some real and, shit. And as me. he's saying that you have to do that, he's like, um, he only knows what you know, only suspects what you do because he is you, Jessica. Forgive him, forgive yourself. And uh, the real Kilgrave, will, he'll never hear your forgiveness. He's in a coma, and this is, has nothing to do with him. Yeah. And uh, she still can't do it. She says never and punches a hole right through his head. <sighs> Take me home, Charles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, beautiful stuff. Like, it, like mm-hmm. for when I, heard, when I first heard this book was announced, like, the creative team I love, but the idea of, like, oh, Jessica Jones is going to deal with a bunch of variants of herself. Like, this, came, this was announced when, like, Loki came out. So, like, you know, synergy with variants. And I'm like... I don't know about this one, but after reading it, I'm like, man, there's a lot of value here. There's a and lot then, of really and good And that stuff. was the end of issue four, uh, was the Charles stuff. And oh, then you yeah, get the all, of the, all of the variants assembling. The Jessica Jones vision. Oh. <coughs> oh my God, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's really good. And that's where we get the reveal. Oh my God, yeah. Jewel. Again, the, 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 the facial expressions on yeah. Jewel, on yeah. Phil Noto's expressions are just top notch, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's really good stuff. I think that they tell this story very very well. I love the power, the power, Jessica. It's like yeah. it looks like Luke Cage. Yes, love it. There's the Electra. Oh, I love it. And then and then you get Wanda coming in. Wanda Strange, Jessica yeah. Jones. <laughs> love it. Cool. Yeah, man. This book is like this takes like, like a concept and like really runs with it instead of just like oh let's just oh a bunch of different Jessica Jones. Who cares? Like there's a yeah. lot of thought and like love put in this book. And like I feel the great thing about Jessica Jones and Luke Cage is like they've been together for like a long time now. Um, and like you feel that relationship, feel that love there is still in this book. Like they didn't, they never tried to break these characters up or anything. And I'm glad they did because like, why, why would you do something like that? Right. Like they got a kid, let them live their life. Yeah, yeah. Even though that kid has been that age for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> years. Comics. Yeah. Comics um, I really love the like morning blush theme that runs through from like beginning to end and like when it reappears, but I really, you know, like the final shot is as the sun is uh, coming up. It's Oh, morning blush. Um, I just think that's really nice. I yeah. love, I love that kind of thematic stuff and, yeah, it's really pretty. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. God, I could I could go on and on, but no, it'd, it'd be too much. This is a no. This is I'm glad you guys liked it. I think this is a great book. Gail Simone. Um, she she does a lot a lot of miniseries, and like she's just not given a lot of ongoings anymore, unfortunately. And she's just, she's so talented. Um, I'll I'll read anything she puts out, honestly. Um, so yeah, that's the variance. Glad, yeah. glad absolutely, you absolutely crushing it. Um, what a fun story. I thought just. Whoop, whoop. 
end to end well made. Hell yeah. Yep. Uh, 100% yeah. agree. Absolutely great read. Um, real quick, I just remembered Brandon also shared thoughts on this. Oh, yeah. Um, the variants I really loved. Great art, of course, and Gail Simone has a great voice for Jessica, and I really love the reveal of Jewel. Just all around excellent stuff. Oh, um, uh, I don't want to do this, man. It's not me. I'm just the bullet. This is Jesse talking to Luke Cage. And Luke's like, yeah, sorry for you, friend, because do you know anything about Luke Cage? He's bulletproof. And he takes yeah. him out and he falls to the ground like 40 stories below. Oh, sick. Luke Cage is so cool. He's so cool. Yeah. All right, friends. That will do it um, uh, for our book club and for our episode. Whoop, whoop. Um, our book club next week is from Brandon. It's going to be American Born Chinese. Ooh. Um, which is getting a show on Disney Plus soon. That is true. That's um, by Gene, Gene Yang. It'll probably be there for at least a few months, I suspect. Hope, if it's good. Um, okay. It, better, it, better be, it, it has two Oscar-winning actors in its cast. Yeah, it's true. Uh, coming up, you're going to be hearing us next week talk about it's time to begin our Mission Impossible adventure, friends. We are talking about Mission Impossible 1 and 2. You might say, but wait, friends, isn't there another big movie released next week in The Little Mermaid? Why, yes, there is, friends, but we do not feel obligated to talk about said movie. Uh, there may be a discussion. We'll see, um, but it'll probably not be on our main episodes. Y'all hear that scuttle song? <coughs> no. I really want to support Halle Bailey, and that's the main I reason too. I still want to see that movie. I do, too. But we'll see how that shakes out. It will not be a main topic episode. It might be a cinephile. So yeah. keep keep an eye out for that. But next week, Mission Impossible 1 and 2. We're starting the journey to Dead Reckoning. Uh, it's another franchise beginning for us. Uh, Ben's never seen it. It's going to be a great time. Can't fight the friction. I've all only right. seen two of the films. I haven't seen all of them. Right. And it's been a long time, right? Yes, it has. A very yeah. long time. Um. All right. Uh, conversation. Uh, as we said up top. New episode is out with Sean Farrick. Go check that out. Um, check out all kinds of other things on our YouTube. We have some fake nerds watch stuff that's been up. Uh, there's pause menu coming out this week and more pause menus ahead. Ben's been hard at work. Yeah. Uh, basement arcades coming around the corner in our near future. Um, my life is shifting into a more comfortable uh, schedule place. So expect maybe some book clubs and other kind of things coming down the pipeline. Whoa, Animation whoa. stations, who knows? Video games. Um, and also the real score. Uh, if you're paying attention to the real score, um, two episodes were supposed to be out by now. Uh, we are behind. I will catch up. I'm working on it. Um, Life. You can check out our Patreon, our TeePublic, um, all links down below. Uh, our website, however, is currently down. Um, the server was hacked. So stay tuned oh. for <laughs> updates on that. Uh, we'll, we'll let you know when we got that all squared away and back and sorted you got the youtube right here um thank you to our listeners and our viewers everyone watching and and on live stream of course uh our friends here in the comments grayson right here saying should i choose to accept it is up on all mission but yes i accept this mission there you already accepted it um yeah so check all that out uh check check us out here uh uh all the places that we said before the links, everything. Thank you for being here listeners and uh, viewers. We greatly appreciate it. Um, and to Jeremy Velucci, uh, you know, who does our music for all our shows uh, and collaborates with us on the real score. Um, you can find him at Jeremy Velucci underscore wreck of time. 
um, which is his band, Wreck of Time. Highly recommend checking out that music. Uh, and does Suburban Proctologist, which you can check out at facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Uh, there was a new episode dropped recently for that, so go check that out. Mm-hmm. And of course, Mike Matola, who does a, a fair chunk of our logos and is another uh, extenuated member of the family um, for us. Kind of looks, like looks like Jason Momoa. I should have had it queued up. Uh, he's an extended member of the... Yeah, there it is. Uh, He's our Jason Momoa. He's, he's, uh, you know, we like to say here that because of him... I got family. Absolutely. Thanks, Vin. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So you can... (laughs) I saw him. So... It's looping! It's looping! You gotta pause it. That's so, pretty good. <laughs> Mike Matola does a lot of wonderful stuff for us, and we appreciate all his collaborations. You can check him out at Mike Matola <coughs> on, <coughs> excuse me, Instagram and TikTok. All right. <coughs> Go ahead and check us out at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all Fakner podcasts, fakenerguys at gmail.com. Um, if you'd like to get with, in touch with us personally, then you can find me at SparksWitty. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty, just uh, in a mad dash to try and get the next Real Score episode out. Uh, Ryan? Hey, what? you could find me um, just lapping up those tears in that kingdom. I had DJ Tony Snark 616 all day, mm. every day. Tasty, tasty tears. Yum, yum. And Ben? You could find me exploring Hyrule again after <coughs> such a long time of being away at Ben Magna 27 Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You could also find me, Ryan, for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com, as well as playing Mary Frankenstein in Dean Dark. As we said, link for the latest episode is down below. And you can find Brandon T. McClure at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. And you can check out his writings on CBR uh, and also uh, on Atomic Geekdom, where he's writing the MCU stuff. And also Kaiju Ramen Media, where he uh, helps make a whole bunch of stuff over there. And I say all that because without Brandon, we wouldn't have. That's right. Okay. Uh, and so with that, I'll say, dear friends, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcasts, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us, friends. Like this video, subscribe to this channel, and until next time. And his name is John C. <laughs>